Welcome to episode 97 of Zapped to the Past. I am Adrian Mills and I'm joined, as always, by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. Last week, we looked at our first batch of games from issue 40 of Zap 64, which we are in no way affiliated with, and were bored by Barbarian 2, divided by Desolator, and horrified by a drumstick in Hercules, Slayer of the Damned. This week, we continue our look at the games in August 1988, along with what albums were released that month. Graham, as you are the man in the know, tell us of the great things ahead. In this box of chocolates, Valentine's gift with all the nice ones already eaten of an episode, we grab our war underpants and follow the winking eye as we run and gather up a bunch of puzzle pieces in the lavishly produced world of Hawkeye. Grab a whip, slip into a mankini, and scoot away the clinkers with impudence in the troubled vixen, also known as the potentially less offensive She-Wolf. Grab a supermarket trolley and mope around the dreary mind of a shelf-stacking obsessed child in the even more troubled Super Trolley, and bring some order back to the chaos as we blast through the blistering speed levels of the badly named shoot 'em up Poltergeist. Does the caramel keg ever get eaten first from a box of milk tray? Who knows? We also grab our halos and habits as we fight our way across another dreary ghost and goblins clone, this time in the awkward to hell and back. We recoil at the blocky mass of pixels that someone tried to pass off as a fighting game in the utterly horrible UK version of Street Fighter, head on a quest to invade the dreams of three other ass men that are being attacked by chicken-beaked Oculus snakes in the Aldi Inception world of Dream Warrior, shield our ears and explore the dreary, colourless world of an Apple Mac depot with a slowed-a-thon Dark Castle, before finally grabbing our skis, skates, luges and best sequin dresses as we head for some icy sports shenanigans in the disappointing Games Winter Edition. The pickings of games are getting pretty slim here and why have so many required me to fight in my underpants? Hmm, I may be oversharing. Are you in the know? (laughs) Are you in the know? (laughs) (laughs) Now you are in the know. (laughs) You are in the know. Um, (laughs) Hi. Um, Interesting aside, by the way, someone... um, posted a reply to one of our posts on facebook um oh. saying that uh we had put the sons and daughters music in their head <laughs> <laughs> from the other well, week well yes i can imagine it i'm not going to say it because i can already hear it turning in my head right now yeah exactly sons and da- <laughs> if you listen to it again craig sons and daughters, <laughs> and daughters love and <laughs> but also as well uh, my partner did mention did we remember the Sullivans? No. I don't think we did mention it. And isn't that the granddaddy of them all? Nor do I even remember the Sullivans. What was that? How did that go? Sullivans and <laughs> other Sullivans and... <laughs> it, was, it was an Australian soap opera drama series that would predate Sons and Daughters and all that lot. Well, no, I don't remember that at all, but well remembered. Deep Paul remembered that. Good, yeah, good, it's an Australian good. period drama television series produced by Crawford, rather than that, from 15th to November 1976 until March 1983. I don't know when we got it. produced by Crawfish. That was clever. Crawford. Crawford Productions. Oh, I was just quickly reading sense. from the... Uh, 
it covers the period of the basically the First World War. No, Second World War. Second World War. My mind's all over the place today. It's quite it's a, a very difference busy day. there. I've had, one's great, one's not. <laughs> the Australians were involved in all of them. They in were. a good way. No, it sounds awful when you say it like that, in a good way. Yeah, they were. But, uh, yeah, the Sullivans was, uh, yeah, predates Sons and Daughters and all that lot. So. I remember something of the name of it, but I don't remember anything else. And I don't know why. And I don't remember the theme, that's for sure. No, I don't either. Um, no. But I just thought I'd um, throw that in there as, uh, in case anyone yes. remembers that theme or anything. But Do you remember it. the Sullivans? Um, I would also just like to throw a big shout out to uh, one Ben Granville. I forgot to do this over the last year. I'm going to bring COVID brain, who donated a large amount of cash to our Patreon over Christmas. And it was very, very nice of him. And I've just completely forgot to remember. And now I've, no, you can't forget to remember. Didn't remember. <laughs> sake. <laughs> What's happened? I don't know. It's like you, you've been attacked by someone with a brain rubber. I've had a brain, proper brain wrong today. It's been one of those days. I had oh, a plan no. for today. It got scuppered at about nine o'clock and it never recovered. Uh, um, yeah, one of those days. It has been one of those days. So, uh, yeah. So thank you, Ben. That was very, uh, uh, very good. Very kind thank of you, you, Ben. Very, very kind of you. Thank you Indeed. so much. Every bit helps. It's amazing. Thank it you. It does. If you want to sign up to our Patreon, I'll say it here. You can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash zap to the past, where for the price of a pint of beer, or roughly equivalent, not in some countries though, it's way cheaper than a pint of beer in some countries. Um, You can sign up and get early access to the episodes ad-free. You can get to ask us questions. You can join the Discord and any bonus episodes we throw out and mention on our shout-out each month. So, so yeah, that's all good. You can do all that if you want to go do that. The Discord's really cool at the minute. We're posting loads of really crap loading screens. (laughs) (laughs) It's always been cool. It has, but the loading screens are particularly making me laugh. That bongo one. (laughs) That's a game we even mentioned in passing, wasn't it, many moons ago during the crapverts? Was it? Yeah, we mentioned bongo. We didn't look at the review. We know it was in a list of other games. It was on one of those multi-game adverts, and one of them oh, was Bongo. Right. Yeah, it must have been. Bongo, yeah, because I remember Remember, we talked a little bit about it. God knows what episode that was. Could have been one of the early, very early episodes. It must it? have been way back, but yeah, it, it was, was uh, god-awful. But there you go. So yeah, so you can do yeah. that if you want. All that other way, should we get into some games? We've got a lot of games to cover today. I think nine. it's time. Yes, it's um, time. Nine, nine, yes. Nine, nine, mine for all nine. Okay, let's get into these. Let's get into our first one. Graham, the duty is over to you. Can you tell us what it's like to have a Hawkeye? <laughs> I imagine it's pretty... <clears throat> I, I, my voice has gone completely weird. <laughs> that was weird. Your hand. Uh, What's uh, it like uh, to have a Hawkeye? It'd be a bit wet <laughs> and moist, I think. It's very grippy. Um, so this is Hawkeye. Exciting, isn't it? Nine ninety nine. Mm. this was. 96%. <gasps> Gold medal, 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 medal. <gasps> And this is not from Rainbird, Rainbird. This is from Thalamus. Thalamus, Thalamus. Thalamus, with the, they with the great, I've always liked the Thalamus logo, actually, that kind of, you know, that face, you know, it's cool. Anyway, this was produced or made by the Boys Without Brains. I doubt that that's actually true because this has got some pretty clever Cody in it, so they must have some kind of brains. Mario Van Zeist, good name. Um, I didn't find any that he'd made anything else prior or after this. He made one other game. In 1992, oh, that I could go. find. The graphics are by Jacko Van Riet, who later went on to do Flimbo's Quest, mm. and Arthur Van Jol, or Jolet, who later went on to do Last Ninja 3. The graphics in that, which is pretty is cool. He named Title after a screen. small coat. <laughs> it could be. The title screen was by Robin Levey, or Levy. Depends how you say that, doesn't it? The music is by Haroon, Jerone, Jerone, Haroon, Tell. That guy, the guy. That's Crazy. Mr. Tell to you and I. <laughs> that is Mr. Tell. Okay. 
Prepare yourself for some instructions stuff. A little bit to go through here. Just as All the right. very first thing I noticed, by the way, it says on the copyright sign for this, unauthorized copying, hiring, lending, eating. I don't know anyone would do that, but uh, eating. it seems... Eating, yeah, it says that in the copyright warning. You can look that up. It's on the instructions. Anyway, the power is there. <laughs> Zamox, a planet on the edge of the Milky Way, is home to an almost perfect civilization. But a race of nomads concerned with galactic pirate security... The sky crisis, the skyrus kisses, the skrisses, the skyrus kisses. How would you even say that? S K R Y K. How would you pronounce that? Skrixis. Let's call them the Skrixies. I'll call them that. It's the Skrixies, yeah. Um, Skrix, the Skrixies found the Zamosians too perfect. Too, you're too perfect. We don't like it. In the time of Neron, the Skrixies forced invade. <laughs> In the time of Neron, the Skrixies forces invaded Zamox. Viciously massacring its perfect race and making a base on Zamox, constructing radiation plants. Now, they're difficult to keep. A bit of water, maybe, but, you know, we just grow ordinary plants. Far easier. A few Zamorians, <clears throat> a few Zamoxians, <laughs> honestly, it's one of those days, survived the massacre <laughs> and went into hiding in underground chambers, vowing to seek revenge against the Skrixis. Working for generations, uh, the survivors developed a synthetic life form, the SLF, synthetic life form to you and me, half robot, Half human, which half is robot, which half is human, does have a bearing on things, doesn't it, that? <laughs> um, but let's not go into that right now. Uh, well, C-3PO from last week would be, <laughs> he'd, he'd yeah. like to know. <laughs> <laughs> he would like to know. He'd like to be probed. Half robot, <laughs> half human, specially designed. This is specially built. It's a, it's a specially built. It's a real good, it's a winner, but um, especially built. <laughs> <laughs> Don't write words, though. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have everything. It's specially designed to break through the heavily guarded sectors leading to the radiation plants. Now, the SLF is completed, but the controlling processes are not considered fast enough to let it enter into combat with the enemy environment on its own. However, its mind is in synchronization with the movements of the Zamorian battle battling droid which remote controls the SLF. Are we following? No. So, <laughs> no, don't worry about that. The SLF is Hawkeye. It's all you need to worry about. The SLF is Hawkeye, and now is the testing time as Hawkeye is released into the savage wilderness of New Zamox. The power is there. What's that mean? I don't know. I don't. I, I, it says it twice, in big letters and in small letters, and I still don't quite get it. So no. um, the aim is to collect. The aim of Hawkeye is to collect all the puzzle pieces scattered about each of the twelve levels. The eye of either Hawk head on the left or right of the screen winks in the direction of the next piece to be collected. Does, but, hey. I don't like it when eyes wink at me. Like, hey, hey, over here, mate. Over here. Hey, this over way. Here. This way. Over here. Over here, over here mate. Wait, 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 hey. Um, when all the pieces are collected, a jingle sounds, and Hawkeye should be maneuvered to the far right. Careful um, of the level to complete it. There are four deadly weapons to choose from. Oh, this, I know I was going to say, he's just, he's just the far right. Yeah, he starts, uh, he starts investing lots of millions of pounds offshore. Um, there are four deadly weapons to choose from, all displayed in the window to the left of the display panel. There are two ways to select weapons. Hold down fire until the icon glows and then move left or right to select the armament you want. That's the stupid way. Or select the required weapon by depressing the function keys. Now, this is a bit odd because it says in the instructions, pistol is F1, machine gun is F2. It's On a not, Commodore... It'd be F3, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's F1, 3, 4, 5, and 7, yeah. Yeah, that's all wrong. Stupid, stupid wrongness. Mm -hmm. um, the pistol is the first weapon option, but has unlimited ammunition, but inflicts little damage on the larger monsters. Little damage. Little. Um, all the weapons are increasingly more powerful, but have limited ammunition. The level of ammo is displayed as a bar underneath the selected weapon item. So um, without going into much more of the, the controls and the instructions, because it just really explains how the game moves, and I can talk about the game in a bit more detail. There's, there is some interesting credits on the help from this, on the back of the box. 
as it were. It says uh, Oliver Frey and David Weston were thanked in this, but I suppose they're all part of Thalamus, which is kind of part of, was it uh, Future Publishing? That they were Newsfield, all sort of happy family New- friends New- or Newsfield, Newsfield or one of those. Yeah, I know it's all, they're all big mates at the end of the day. doesn't matter. Mm. Anyway, so a demo group then with relatively, with actually with a relatively small set of early releases on, and they're on CSTB. You can look them up. There's not many there though. I thought there'd be a lot more. I don't know why. I always thought Boys Without Brains were a big demo group, but it turns out, that they didn't do that many demos. At least not that many are available. Maybe they did more, I don't know. Mm. And they arrived with something of a graphic, at least, showcase. The all-powerful Hawkeye from Thalamus. So this is a platform run and jump. Uh, you control Hawkeye with your joystick. Fire shoots, holding fire in, as I said before, pushing left changes the weapons, as does the function keys. Not really, but okay, they do. At the top of the screen is your UI with your Hawk graphics to the left and right of the screen. Yes! When the Hawkeye glows, that means you need to belt off in that direction on the hunt for one of the four puzzle pieces on each level, of which there are 12, as I've said. They are the start, waterfalls, the moon, blue Monday, but not there to the old... New order. New order there, yeah. The forest, um, there's a secret level in the middle of all that. Gold rush, the temple, the city, water pipes, the castle, home planet, and victory. As you peg it around the different levels and platforms, jumping about, um, you hold the joystick in a specific angle on this game for sort of longer jumps. I'm not sure if I like that or not. I don't know. I don't know if I like the fire button to jump. And I don't know. You will encounter a whole collection of oddball enemies. Do you like the enemies in this game, Adrian? Because there's a lot of them. There are a lot of them. From wings, which are winged demon things, not the band. Um, stranglers, again, not the band, <laughs> just to be clear. Uh, bats, New Order, the Crusher. Stranglers, wings. <laughs> I know. Who's who of eight is pop? I, don't, I haven't finished yet. There's an axe-wielding goblin thing called the Crusher. There's a snake-like fire-breathing thing called stalkers. There's leap and rolls, which just leap and roll. It's strange that they didn't think much more about that one. <laughs> the leapy rollers. <laughs> the, the off, offshoot of the base city rollers. No, they could have been the base city rollers, couldn't they? With all the band names in here. They've got larger, sta- they're called stampedes, but they're actually rhinos or dinosaurs, one of those. Claws are T-Rex. Hey, there you go. A giant gorilla. Oh, did I imagine that? I no, there is a giant, sure gorilla. A giant gorilla. There's a screenshot. I don't see a whole bunch more than that. There's actually a little monsters um, sort of showcase on the disc for this. I don't know if it's actually a real thing or it's put together for the by a demo company or whatever, whatever. But there's not all of the enemies are in it anyway, so that's just the list of the ones that were in that. So all of these appear in different ways to impede and thwart your progress. Touch them, and your energy will drain. Touch them too much, and you'll lose a life. The environment mm-hmm. is also replete with pitfalls and holes, etc. Fall in there, and it's death. Apart from that, sorry, you need to run, pick up, and run some more, and just run around a lot. Kind of run. You run a lot in this game. It's always running. Always running. Like I said before, you've got four weapons. Only one of them has unlimited ammo. And there are ammo crates and energy packs dotted about, which you can pick up. They're indicated in the same way as the puzzle pieces, or at least they appear while you're running about. So I've often, it was, the eye was flashing. I was following the hawk's eye, and then I'd come across energies and extra ammo. So you don't get a lot of ammo in some of these weapons. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Once you get all of the four puzzle pieces for that level, you run to the right, and then you'll get your mini bonus collection animation, your SLF droid, your Hawkeye bot, whatever the hell you are gets a recharge and your energy is refueled and your score is admonished with your kills and stuff like that. Then it's on to the next level and do it all again in the infamous do it again, do it again with more challenging enemies and more complex arrangements of platforms, etc. And so it goes on. It's like different color schemes and things. Mm-hmm. The tape loader for this, and it is on the disc as a separate load, features a very cool Hawkeye mixy load, which is a kind of akin to the Rob Hubbard mixy load, which was done for Delta. Quite a nice mini-tune sequencer of sorts. Charles Deenan did the music for that, um, who was also part of the Maniacs of Noise, I believe. And it's, I, I thought it was actually pretty damn cool. Sort of one sort of thing you like to mess about with and just to do some cool stuff, a bit like the, the Hubbard one. Quite an interesting little thing with a really nice background graphics, that Hawkeye image. Pretty cool, that. In fact, you can't really fault the production of this game. Uh, there's also a Hawkeye story feature, which is also a separate load. It must have been a separate load on the tape as well, I guess. Um, mm. Here you can get a whole detailed story told straight from the mouth of an alien 
which I thought looked like a talking OAP light bulb. Um, <laughs> it takes ages for the difficult to read text to appear on that, though, and there was no sound, which seemed really odd in a game that's got such amazing music and sound. So mm-hmm. I guess if you want to read the story, you can. I found it tedious to the point where I was like, oh, I can't be bothered to wait for that. It's just one of those things that appear sort of word by word and like, move quicker. I read quicker than that. <laughs> Zamox. Um, Zamox. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just it's Zamox. Zamo. Is he part of the Zamox? Zamo. Just say no, Zamox. <laughs> the graphics as the game starts are good. And there is a fabulous soundtrack that thumps along from Jerome Tell. It's really good. It's one of the incredibly high standard and fondly remembered Sid compositions from Mr. Tell, that is. Really good stuff. The main title has a nice logo effect for the game. The main character stood on the logo and some controls for audio, etc. Nice credits and storyboard. It has a demo. It has demo team written all over this game, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. It's like it slaps in your face. Fire starts the game and a speedy jingle intro leads into the levels. Graphics era in the levels are well drawn. The UI at the top quarter is shift the screen, shows your score, lives, all three of them, energy, power meter, current weapon and ammo, and of course, the two hawk heads with their glowing eye. All in the nice kind of shaded color scheme that changes per level. I think it looks quite nice. Under that is the scrolling area of the game. There are some nice varied details there. It's well realized, leveraging the color palette of the 64 as best it can in ways. Things are well shaded, at least, and on a CRT, I think it probably must have looked quite nice. There is a nice new little detail on the all-new Amazing Lemon 64 site where you can actually look at stills of the game and add the scan lines to them with a little click of a switch, which is quite nice. It sort of gives you an idea of what it might have looked like on a CRT. Mm-hmm. Um, your main Hawkeye sprite is quite well realized and animated. A bit squat in a weird kind of way. Got sort of little legs, big body kind of syndrome. But um, it is well animated. His run cycle and his run animations are all pretty good. It does get a little bit lost in the background, though, sometimes, I think. Not in a small way. It's still big enough to be seen. But the background's quite busy and quite color enriched. And you're, and, or you're of the same color on some of the levels. So you kind of sort of blend a little bit. Um, but things do move around in the game at quite a pace. And there's enemies all over the place when they've got different colors. Some of those enemies do sometimes blend in as well a little bit. So there's a, I think there's a bit of a problem with that. They're not all brilliantly drawn, though. Some of them have got quite you know quite nice detail and you can see what it is. Others just look kind of amorphous blobby things with a pair of eyes and just sort of a weapon. Mm-hmm. But there's some nice parallax scrolling here. The detail in the backgrounds um, is good, which gives it a nice strong sense of depth. And like I said, the production and the general look, feel, sound is all top-notch. But I think the puzzle pieces and extra weapons are sometimes a bit lost in the middle of all of that. It's easy to run past them. They do glow. But some of them are just, they appear in odd locations and because you, you're charging about and there's a lot of running about and stuff, it's even though the hawk's eye are blinking at you wildly, you will come across them. It can get a bit of a melee, especially in the late levels. The levels aren't actually that big though, so you're never going to get lost in there. There's just a lot of backwards and forwards and running and jumping around required and you're going to die a lot in this game. A quick check of a long play showed this at around 45 minutes in total. So the difficulty is applied here with stuff getting in the way a lot, which isn't, mm. a, it's, it's kind of the way they did it back then, I get it, but. 45 minutes isn't a long time, is it, for 10 quid? I've been, I've, I have been thinking about that. You're not going to... I mean, if that's what it takes to do it with a perfect run, you're never going to do that on your first go, are you? So no, no, I'm not, not saying that. I'm just saying it's, 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 got a, it's got 45 minutes of endless play, play like long play in it, but you're not going to yeah. do it like that. And you'd never do it in one go unless you've got a cheat on, I think, because that's now and impossible. Mm. Um, the multiple weapons that you do have don't seem to have much variety in what they do, if you ask me, with no clear delineation of their destructive power. And the icon representing them in the UI is really small and difficult to read. Plus, your ammo seems to run out really fast. And I don't know how upgraded you become with anything. So most of the enemies I managed with avoidance where I could actually more than trying to shoot them out because I either ran out of ammo or I just end up with a pistol, which doesn't really kill them quick enough. So you just got to jump over them. Uh, enemies do seem to come thick and fast with no discernible pattern as such. I found a lot of them just running on and dying. There was there seemed to be no logic to what they did. They just came on the screen. <laughs> Um, yeah, there wasn't did, really much, yeah. you know, wasn't any logic to what they did. They just appeared no. to, to get in the way. Um, I don't think you would learn this game in in the way that you might with other games of this kind of type. But more often than not, 
once you have all the, the puzzle pieces for the level after run to the right, there is a big old something in the way, a big dinosaur, a big something. You'll get a boss of sorts at the end of each level. They're just kind of in the way. Um, and you just have to <laughs> yeah. make sure you've got at least one of your other weapons to just blast it real quick. The in-between level part also has a nice bit of animation and music, but it's also in skippable, which could annoy over time where he just raises up and gets his head electrocuted and all that gets It's recharged. a separate load as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it has the technical flow and bounce of demo code in here, and, it use, and it's used to good effect visually and orally. The game design, though, is less ingenious and does become samey and somewhat tiresome. All the pizzazz aside, this is just a shoot 'em up with poor upgrades and repetitive gameplay and not much more to offer. I noted that CNVG hammered this game in their review. They gave it 3 out of 10, Bloody citing hell. dullness. Gave it 3 out of 10, citing dullness and lack of originality. It's quite a scathing review. That were more effusive with a gold medal and all the brouhaha. All the tinfoil hat brigades will be spitting about the connection between Zap and Dalamus and all that, and the positive nature of their reviews and all the games and everything else. I think that's a tad unfair because most of their games have actually been pretty good. It's not like they're crap games that they've just given a great, crazy review. They're, they're pretty good. This got 96% though, so I don't know. That is quite high for what this is, but it is very visually compelling. There's no doubt about that. So there's a lot to like. I've always had a bit of a fondness for this game. Um, I like the animations. I like the graphics and the music is a huge part of what makes this game great, which is a good sign because it's been a while since we've had a game where the music Music's sort of really bolted a bit together as well. It does look really good for a C64 game. This, it looks like a really nicely produced thing. Solid production, no bugs that I could encounter. Lots of running and visual eye candy. There's a lot to like, but it's hiding an average game. There's no hiding that. It's playable, it's fast, and overall good to play. Gold medal? I'm not so sure about that part, though. How about you? Mm, mm, mm. It's the fifth game, isn't it, from Thalamus? Their first gold medal. Yeah, game and number our, five, our yeah. Our second gold medal this month that stars an underpanted man killing monsters. It's all about the underpants. It's all about the underpants this, this week, this month. So, uh, yeah, it's all about men in, men in pants. Um, I, I mean, I have noted, uh, I suppose it is the summer, so maybe, you know, it's August, so maybe they're a bit hot, so they're running around in their pants. It's a robot, though, anyway. Why, why did they design a robot that needed, that <laughs> well, needed the, pants? I, I did watch one of the uh, long plays. Seems at the end he turns into a full full human. He does, yeah, when he goes through his sequence at the end and gets he gets made flesh. So, no, this is just a, it's a Pinocchio allegory. <laughs> That's what it is. He wants. He wants to be a real boy. <laughs> I get all that, but he's a robot. He doesn't. He hasn't. You know, they don't even need to give him genitalia, let alone something to cover it up. <laughs> well, it depends whether that's the part that's man. Well, that's true. We don't know. We don't know. Don't know. Maybe that's why he's pulling that face on the cover. Anyway, as you said, you can't fault the presentation on this. Great visuals, title screen, music. Although the end, the piece of music that you use on the podcast, doesn't fit in this game. No, it's quite jolly, isn't it? I quite like it, though. I like it as a little ditty. It doesn't fit in this game whatsoever at all, in the slightest. It's so off compared to the rest of the music. It's just yeah, way off. Maybe. Anyway, maybe. the rest is great. So, you know, and it's nice. So, yeah, this is a real beaut, a real winner. I've actually written that, so it's weird that you said it earlier on. <laughs> uh, the use of in-game hints, like the flashing <laughs> Hawkeyes, is a nice touch to tell you which way to go. But it does lead to a lot of toing and froing and toing and froing and toing and froing. Doesn't it just? <laughs> As you bounce back, back and, and forth. forth lot, yeah. yeah, back and forth along the levels. The levels being quite short, I can see why they've done this. I guess, I mean, it's a little bit like, there's a bit of Defender, I guess, in the DNA here, isn't there? You know, the back and forth, yeah. trying to, you know, loop, you know, whatever. I did like shooting stuff. Yeah. I found the jump a little unresponsive at times. I don't know whether it was me, mm. but it just seemed not to jump when I was trying to, you know, it fall off platforms. Just yeah, jump. It's, there's a few people that have noted that it has a weird jump. Yeah, it has. I also wonder if the trick of giving you everything at the start was the right thing to do, as the game does tend to feel a little one note, is what I've noted here, which is similar to what you've said. Yeah. Maybe, Having yep. the four weapons from the start means there's very little space for 
the gameplay to go anywhere. And perhaps spreading them out over the course of the game to make you feel like you're getting more powerful would have been the better option. Yeah, power-ups. They could power- That's why I said they don't feel like they power up anything. No, they don't. You just get ammo. But if they just started with the pistol, then maybe at level three you got the machine gun, and level five you got yeah. the shotgun, and then level seven or eight you got the thingy blast, you know, the Lazy rocket launcher. Thing, yeah. You'd have felt like progression. And yeah. you'd have felt like you'd have getting more powerful. They could have upped the ante with the monsters, and you'd have felt like the game was going somewhere. As it is, like I know you, um, I know you have to manage ammo, but I never feel any stronger from level to level. It's just the same. No, no it's I the agree. same with the level of challenge as well. I found it's always find the four bits of the code to progress. So it just tends to feel quite samey after a while. It just feels like I'm doing mm. the same thing, just in different graphics, background graphics with some different sprites to shoot at. And that's it. I think gold medal's a little too far for this. I don't think this is a gold medal. It's a sizzler for me. I would have put this around about 90%. Yeah, sizzler. You know, I'm not knocking it down much, but it's not a gold medal. It lacks that sense of progression and player power to get beyond its simple gameplay hook. Because it's just nothing more. It's a bit, you know, it's Green Beret-ish um, yeah, as well. Yeah, actually, There's yeah. of Green Beret and the sort of platforms and the, you know, the stabbing yeah, and you get totally. things. But, but that's four levels. This is 12. And after after about four, I was like, is it is it is anything else going to happen? And that, no. Yeah. Not really. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a very, it's an enjoyable game. I just feel you've seen almost everything it has to offer after the first couple of levels, apart from visuals, you know, different graphics. So for me, I'd have liked more, uh, some progression as you go along. And I think other games yeah. do that. Well, you know, whether it's in challenge, whether it's in how much you've got to do or whatever, I just think at this point in the C64's life to get a gold medal, we should be seeing a bit more sort of difficult, you know, Gameplay curve, sort of flow, your state of flow. You just, this is, this is one note all the way through. It's fast, frantic, and you shoot stuff. And that's it. And if yeah. that floats your boat, you're going to really enjoy this. But there's no nothing really to actually do beyond that. It's very pretty and very, it sounds very good and everything like that. But nah, it's a it's a it's a classic sizzler. This it's a classic ninety percenter. You know, it has all the elements there, but it just doesn't have the bit to rise above that. I think it's better than Barbarian though. Barbarian two, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Um, so of the as, you know the fight of the underpants, this wins. Um, <laughs> There's more underpants to come as well. <laughs> there are more underpants to come. But yeah, so yeah, Hawkeye, 999, yeah, it's not that. It's not three out of 10 though. I don't know what CMVG was smoking. Yeah, yeah they give it a right paste in. The review's pretty harsh. That sounds like a bit of bitterness. Well, it's funny you say that because they even say at the end of that review, well, they're all part of, um, they make a point of saying that Thalamus is part of the same publishing house for Zach. New Steel, point, yeah. Putting that in it, yeah. It seems like the average sort of thing. I mean, the average on Lemon is about just under eight. Most reviews giving it about eighty percent as well. Yeah, it's, you can't fault it. I mean, it's, it's, if you put, line up a few C sixty four games, it stands out head and shoulders because it looks so great and sounds so good. I mean, they, yeah. no arguing with that. No arguing with that at all. Mm, yeah, there we go. That's Hawkeye, the second of our gold medals, and the second which we think did not deserve it. But it go. is good though. Go play it. It is good. Yeah. Let's move on to our next one. More running and jumping about. Uh, but this time, it's not a man, it's a woman. Vixen. Right. Vixen, Graham. Full price, nine ninety nine. So this is Vixen. Last week, we had Nick Jones's version of Ghost and Goblins uh, in Beyond the Ice Palace. And now, we have Nick Jones's version of Rygar <laughs> in the form of Vixen. It's just Vi- Rygar, mm. isn't it? It's Rygar. Uh, anyway, once again, 80s marketeers have stepped in and figured the best way to sell the game to young boys was to slap a page three model on the cover. And so as we had in Barbarian 1 and 2 with Maria Whittaker. Here we have Corinne Russell adorning the adverts and front cover as the titular Vixen. Um, so she stood there with a whip, you know, in a sort of bikini of some description. What's she wearing? Scantily clad. Leopard skin bikini, isn't she? I mean, yeah, that is what it is. Yep. In, in some kind of jungle. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the jungle. Don't understand that tagline. <laughs> 
Stupid. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Did I ever think it was safe to go back in the jungle? The jungle's full of horrible creatures. I've never thought Stupid. it was safe in the jungle. Why? Why do they do these things? Why? Oddly as well, according to the C64 wiki, although I actually put this in and tried to translate it, it didn't come back the same thing. They had to change the name in Germany because supposedly Vixen is the word used for masturbation. I think it's pronounced yeah. differently. Or Fuchsia or something like that. Vixer, isn't it? Yeah, so anyway, this was changed to She-Fox over there. Makes sense. I guess, yeah. Anyway, anyway, all this titillation aside, this was released by Martech. Martech had coding, as I said, by Nick Jones, graphic by Mark Eason and Malcolm Smith, and music by Jazz Brook. Is is he becoming like the most prolific musician we never knew about? And He's done loads. It's prolific. Yeah, it's not all great. (laughs) It's just (laughs) Jazz Brook. He woke up and did another tune. Here's another tune. All right, cheers, Jazz. This was originally by Intelligent Design. I'm guessing this is probably a port from the Spectrum Original because that seems to be what Nick Jones does a lot of. He does a lot of sports. I think it has to be. So I think this is a port from the Spectrum Original. The story, such as it is, concerns the world of Granath. What is it with these names? Granath. It's now ruled by a race of evil mutant dinosaurs. It's like an alternative Earth where the meteors never hit. So I don't know how mankind ever came. Anyway, don't matter. Vixen, our hero, heroine, sorry, has been raised by foxes and has had magic powers bestowed upon her by the fox sages. <coughs> not a jungle animal, just saying. <laughs> it's not a jungle animal. Foxes, no, not really. Uh, this they is don't given- live in the jungle. <laughs> No, they don't. Uh, most jungle foxes, most, loads maybe. of them live around my house. There's loads of foxes around yeah, here. The, the urban jungle, urban, maybe. Urban jungle, yeah. This has given her the ability to transform into a fox herself. And so, wielding her trusty whip, she is set off to destroy the dinosaur lords and bring about the age of the foxes. I added that last bit. <laughs> Or the rabbits have just shit themselves. (laughs) But what else? But I imagine that is what would happen should you prevail. The foxes are going to take over. It'd be the age of the foxes. The age of the fox. (laughs) They can't even operate cranes. (laughs) They don't have thumbs. Anyway, uh, when the game loads, you can play with joystick or keyboard. And as a rather average piece of music is played, whilst the Jolly Vixen logo bounces back and forth. It's all right. As title screens go, it's okay. Nothing special, but it's all right. So in the game, the Spectrum come C64-esque style that we've seen from a lot of Nick Jones's uh, games is readily apparent. Vixen herself is clad in just a bikini, uh, but she's a tall and well-animated multicolored high-res sprite. I'll give it that. That main sprite is very good um, in this game. It's pretty decent. The backgrounds, though, are they're a mix of high-res single color and Commodore Brown, um, which is an odd combo. There's a weird mix of styles in here, and the enemies are all vague, single-colour sprites. They're supposed to be dinosaurs, but none of them look good. It's just, uh, it doesn't look ugly so much, just mismatched, as these games often do. I think we said it about we said it about a lot of these games where you know so in that respect it, it reminded me a little bit of Antiriad. So that get mi- out of town. That, that was that mix of blockiness and single color sprites is what I mean. Um, but they also use those sort of single color high res sprite high res backgrounds as well for some elements of it. It's a weird mix. Um, I, I thought the main main sprite though is better than the one in Antiriad. So you know there you go. Anyway, the controls are pretty simple. You run along and you press fire to crack your whip. That's it. You can jump with diagonals like you could in uh, uh, Hawkeye. And you can you can scoot along the floor like a dog trying to dislodge a particularly nasty clagnut, nasty clagnut with uh, the down diagonals. It's a very odd animation that is. It's not one that's <laughs> always a tribute to a woman that has been raised by foxes, but you can sort of figure out when you think that. Uh, absolutely, you think maybe, absolutely, yeah, that's what I was that's, that's what I was going to gonna say. You know, but you know, she has been raised by foxes, so that's probably how she wiped her ass. Well, she can transform into one. Why don't she just do that and then do that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that takes. Well, you you've got to get your uh, you've got to get your fox head all the way across the bar at the top to yeah, do that. True. Can't do that every time you need a shit. 
You can also crack your whip as you are doing this and when you are jumping. So you can crack your whip at all, all, all heights. Um, along the levels are holes that you've got to jump over. And there are some large brown balls as well. Just some hanging from trees, some on poles, all over the place. Uh, whipping these reveals a fox's head. Fox's head. Collecting these increases the fox bar that is in the UI at the top of the screen. She also includes your number of lives. You get 10 this time. Again, we got nine last time. It was 10 this time showing where the difficulty level of this lies. You get the score and the time left to complete the level, along with, I guess, some well-drawn pterodactyls. <laughs> There's just some couple of pterodactyls up there, just in the UI. Just cost, fill some space up. There are also these things, they've just got the letter V on them. It's like these V jars. I don't know what else to describe them as. To whip as well. And these reveal various goodies to collect, such as gems for points, extra lives, smart bombs, and extra time. The levels are basically a run to the uh, right and jump and whip all the enemies until you reach the sanctuary of a cave. It's like so imagine Rygar. It's Rygar. This is you know, I'm gonna say Rygar again. It's essentially the same, except you've got a whip. Yeah. So that's it. Here you're yeah, once you get to the cave, you you uh scoot in <laughs> on your ass. <laughs> your time your time left is converted into bonus score. And if you've filled up the fox bar, Vixen transforms into an actual fox. It says this in the instructions. Why don't these instructions say Vixen? You, you transform into a Vixen. It's a female fox, a she fox. It's right there in the title. You know, she's no, called Vixen. She questions. transforms into a Vixen. Maybe that would be confusing. I don't know. She gets to run around some bonus levels underground where you can collect mega gems and get the mega whip, which a uh, human Vixen can then use to kill enemy, any enemies with one hit. Because as you progress, some enemies require a couple of whips couple of whip hits to kill them uh that's about it each level is very short very short and the enemies are annoying they're all smaller than you <laughs> they're all smaller than you so when you're running and whipping you're just whipping over their heads <laughs> you can't so you have to spend 90 percent of the time in the crouched ass wiping position to kill them all so just stupid why not make the enemies bigger or make you smaller i don't get it um or whip downwards i, I just don't understand this renders the game it's just not as enjoyable as it's based on well, you know rygar in that you just ran here you're scooting along <laughs> scooting along on your ass and should the enemies get too close even though you whip them they won't die your whip will just go through them and you'll lose one of your 10 lives in a very over dramatic way she has a very over dramatic death as well doesn't she she's from the rastan school of deaths um you know which i appreciate i always appreciate a good over dramatic death yeah oh! very dramatic so it's very dramatic the levels themselves don't vary that much it's very very rote this very it's just some different things to jump over and a constant spew of enemies and it's just very it just gets really boring really quickly there's some nice touches the animation on the main character aside from dragging her ass along the floor and particularly on the actual fox when you turn into the fox it's excellent that animation is really good on that fox running really nice it reminded me of the uh cat in on the tiles i think it was yeah. so some nice animation on that once again with some little tweaks a bit more variety this could have been all right could have been all right as it is it's a just bit below average it's well coded it looks the part it gets old really quick and the whip the problem is the whip it just doesn't have the impact of the smashy yo-yo from rygar i mean that's the cool part about rygar and the fact that you could kill monsters without having to bob down it's just really underwhelming this after a while i actually thought when i first started playing this i thought you know this, this might be all right this might be a, i might have forgotten how this could have been okay after about five minutes i was like oh no nah, it's not it's problems and those problems are unfortunate because it's just not right. It doesn't play right. They've looked at the source material, Rygar, and, and, and missed the point of it. <laughs> missed the bloody point. In, they've created a well-coded, well-engineered little piece of software that's just no fun to play, really. And it's a bit of a shame. I like, I'd like to have liked this, but I just don't. What about you? I thought it was quite depressing. 
All said and done. Dubious cover with the leopard print bikini-clad glamour model, wasn't it? What's it, Kareen Russell? Yeah. She of, um, hi, I'm Candy. Of course you are. She, that's Is her, that her? Of, uh, that's her out of that, yeah. Oh, wow. A Highlander. Waving a spear. Not going to be on the feminist highlight show reel, is it, for 88, that one? Um, the It was so controversial, that cover, by the way, at the time, that Boots refused to stock it. <laughs> Boots? Good Lord. Boots, yeah. Boots the chemist. Like, we're not stuck in that game. That's far too provocative. <laughs> and the porn <laughs> rags are on the top shelf. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So they refused to stock And then eventually, they did, they did change the cover because they refused to stock it. So crikey, who, who knew Boots had that much power, eh? The game mm. itself, crap. Game's crap. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's just out and out garbage. Running, whipping, scooting. Um, this is a game where the central character hasn't wiped her ass properly. So she scoots around like a Labrador with worms, trying to <laughs> clean its ass on a carpet. Graphics are weirdly rigid, I thought. Kind of stiff looking animations, apart from a couple of things that are, actually are quite well animated. But apparently they used some kind of early form of motion capture for that. What, for the fox? Um, for fox and the woman. Whether uh, that's bullshit or not is uh, it remains to be seen. I don't know. Or maybe the person they captured or the fox they captured was injured. I don't know. It looks like I had a few frames missing a little bit. It's better than your average, I suppose. The in-game audio, it reminded me of something that I couldn't put my finger on. It's been bugging me. It's, it's a, it reminded I think it's um, it might be a Rolling Stones tune. The one that goes, woo, woo, that one. I don't know why, but there's oh, just sympathy a haunting for the devil. familiar. Yeah, there's a bit of sympathy for the devil in that. Da, 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 da. I think. Maybe. Um, could put my finger on it. Maybe that. Anyway, it was all right, I guess. Suitably jungly in its own weird way. The main thing was utterly not suited to this game, though. It's like it was from a different thing, which mm-hmm. it probably was. Main sprite, like you say, okay. Variant of the character from the advert. Flashes a whip, which oddly slows you down if you jump and whip. So you sort of slow down a bit there. Bit of a bug, I think. Yeah. Um, backgrounds were odd. Si- aside from the palm trees um, and things to jump over, they were also what looked to me like giant snooker balls suspended from chains hung <laughs> on a giant eagle claw mounted on a telegraph pole. Have you not been to the jungle recently? I was going to say, it's not, it's not out of the jungle playbook. As far, <laughs> I, jungles are kind of green and... You know, and they've got you know, you know, lots of uh, flora and things like that. I don't remember yeah, them ever being quite you know. so sparse. It's got it's quite the empty jungle. This is this is more of a you know, this is a Guns and Roses. Welcome to the jungle. It's handy that they're there though. You like you say, you whip the balls to release the fox heads. Consume enough of those, and you will transform into a fox at the end of the level or bonus stage. And I'm sensing that was where the weed was kicking in when they were designing it. <laughs> but about that, about that moment there, I think we've just hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, run to the end have a scoot wipe your ass and then do more of the same and again, keep doing that dull yeah. uninspiring nonsense no fun dreary and sexist to boot be gone demon that's what I thought yes fair enough fair enough I'm not <laughs> going to argue with any of that Vixen there we go Vixen and Hawkeye a sort of double bill of running around in pants mm. there you go I'm going to wager though that <laughs> it's not as bad as what's next <laughs> so we move on to the next one the problematic one. Let's move on to it. I'm glad you got this one. Graham, super trolley. <laughs> it's got cosy 17% in Zap. The one thing I will say mm-hmm. is that I'm, I always like to see on my games what kind of tape it's been recorded on. And this was recorded <laughs> on a BASF tape. And that's a sign of quality that you can trust. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. That's always good to see. All right. Look. Was that a picture on Moby Games, was it? No, this, this, it's the cover. The actual tape cover's got the words ba- recorded on BASF tape. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you'll see it on the cover I've put in our show notes. We can share that show note as well if you want to. 
I was going to read all the instructions for this. Do you know what? I'm not going to bother. I'll just... The game design for this, from what I can gather, is the, the result of some kid writing into a TV show called Jim Will Fix It, which was, for anyone that doesn't know, it's a show on BBC TV in the 70s and early 80s, mid-80s, late 80s, yes, that kids used to write into and they would make their wishes come true for them. One kid wrote in, for example, and said he wanted to eat his lunch on a roller coaster. It was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Here, someone wrote in and wanted them to make his gaming idea into a real game. It wants to be a real game. And I'm deliberately not going to mention the hosts of that show or discuss anything around him out of respect to all the people that suffered criminal and deplorable treatment at his hands. I'm not going to do that. Um, the Swift Google will give you all the information you need to know about the person I'm referring to and all of that. I don't want to get into it. I just want to focus on the game because I think we owe the respect to people to do that. Mm-hmm. So kids' ideas or not, uh, this isn't very good, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> no. This is why you need, to, you need a guiding hand when you're making a game. This is this reminded me very much of the sort of games we used to get in like the first student games, early sort of level two, level three games, really. And by level two, I mean their, that's their age range. So the very first games they've been making. You control your store assistant in a supermarket with the remit of stacking supermarket shelves to achieve a score. You must do this for a fixed time each day for all the days of the week. This sees you pushing a supermarket trolley around, an isometric environment of empty space and shelves, avoiding customers and such. You get your trolley, go to the warehouse, which is somewhere. I never found it. Collect your items, which I was never able to do. And head around the supermarket restocking, which looked like it never needed doing anyway, because all the shelves were full. This starts with a weird dot game. I have no idea what that's there for. <laughs> no, neither do <laughs> what I. What it serves. Nor is it mentioned in the instructions either. So I just filled in all the dots and I seem to win. <laughs> not sure. <laughs> I have no idea what that's about. Nope. None. Don't know what it is. Uh, the main game itself sees you controlling an odd-looking Seymour Skinner type sprite. He looks a bit like Seymour Skinner from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, he does. With no feet. Uh, pushing a trolley around a sea of badly coloured and badly drawn isometric medium res backgrounds. The shoppers are generally grey. There's a tiled floor that works against the angle of the trolley and the shelves. It's all out of whack. Someone needed a spirit level, a C64 spirit level, badly in here, because the trade and the trolley's at the wrong angle. You walk around, there's no rhyme or reason to this layout. It feels and probably is about as random as it gets. And that's all I managed to do, all with a jovial and quickly irritating in-game tune. The main window is your bleak isometric world. Under that is a horrible, badly created UI in text with severe line height issues, and that does not please me, let me tell you. It's almost <laughs> as bad as the logo for Vixen, which has got a chiseled emboss, which I'm still trying to wash out of my mind. <laughs> The UI gives you the, the your time, score, day, week, and what you're doing, whether you're pushing the trolley or not. I don't think it needed that because that's the only two states in the game. I don't think it needed an indication of whether you're pushing the trolley or not because you either are doing that or you're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you either got the trolley or you haven't. You don't really need a sign. Um, and that's all. I, I wasn't actually able to do anything in this game. Nope. I couldn't, I couldn't find a way of picking up the stuff. I got, I got told what I needed. So it said I needed some cabbages. I could not find a way of picking up those cabbages. And I tried, <laughs> I, I put the trolley down, were. I wandered around. I got lost in a supermarket because the supermarket layout is, it's worse than a real supermarket and that's bad enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just crazy. It was just a game that was literally put together because some kid wanted it doing and they've gone, oh God, I say, all right. There was no, nobody sat there and really planned this out. They just wanted to make sure that the kid's sorry's dream realized onto a game put it on a shelf so the kid could be on a TV show, go, wow, look, there's my game. Look at it flying off the shelves. It would never have happened. It, just, it lucky they didn't go back the next day when there was people queuing to bring it back going, this is crap. <laughs> it won't load. That was the day they didn't go in. Yeah, it just, it's got ready, run ready. It's rubbish. So the game's just rubbish. It's obviously been made to please and make some kid happy. And if it did that, great. But even at a budget price, um, this is just rubbish. I mean, Okay, some it made somebody happy for a short amount of time, and it was a bit of a bit of a TV sort of thing. And he kid would have seen it on his shelf, like I said, he'd been happy, and then he maybe would have played it and become angry. I think <laughs> I would have. Anyway, the game feels more like a statement about the state of things in the eighties, just wandering aimlessly around in grey, everything. You know, this is just you know 
it's it's peak Toryism, isn't it? It's, it's the definition of, of living in a Tory world. Can't find yeah. anything, can't do anything, nothing works. Everything's switched off into grey. There's no light at the end of that tunnel. It's just one dreary escapade of wandering around, trying to find things to buy, but never actually been able to achieve it. That was the 80s, everyone. Mm-hmm. Right, see you later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not good, this. Rubbish. But it made a kid smile, eh, didn't it? it made him smile. Oh, nice. What do you think? Problematic, isn't it? <laughs> it's problematic. Yeah. Well, everything, everything, everything at the top end, yeah. I haven't written much about this. Um, I mean, I've just sort of noted that in sort of, if it wasn't enough that in this issue of Zap, there's an advert with Gary Glitter in it. We've got this game <laughs> no, as well stop, with so bad. Who, who, you know, we're not mentioning it on the cover. I'm not going to say much about this other than it's bloody rubbish. It needs to be consigned to the bin of history and never spoken of again. I just don't care for yeah. it. Whatever. No, it's just rubbish. Yeah, It is just dreadful. There yeah. we go. That was super trolley. Let's forget it. And yeah. move on. We've got, uh, yeah, we've got more to do. We've got one more this this section. So let's get into that. And it's another budgeter. This is Poltergeist. This was two pound. So Poltergeist. If chaos is what you look for in games, then you might want to check out Poltergeist. Uh, the next in the long running series by Gavin Rayburn of games that are named after films he has on his video shelf and have no relation to them whatsoever. Um, this is. <laughs> That's so true. He does. It's just loads <laughs> yeah, of them. Absolutely. Um, this is from Codemasters and ACG Systems, whoever they are, and it's the bargain price instead of two quid. The colour of this has what looks like a ghost brush of some kind battling a ghost. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why that has this cover. <laughs> it, why is it on there? I don't know. I'm looking at it right why now. Why has it got a lightsaber? He's carrying a lightsaber. There's a ghost. He's got a backpack on and he's swinging it at him and there's just whatever. And there's a there's what looks like a sort of ghost sort of wolf in the or something in the bottom left. What it's is a that? guy at the top. There's a sword in there, but in the bottom right. <laughs> it's a mishmash of nonsense. None of which yep. has anything to do with this game. Aside Weird. from the fact that it's called Poltergeist and your craft is called The Exorcist. These films were number five and sixteen on Mr. Rayburn's shelf. <laughs> I can only think I mean, that. The, I thought the, the the cover for this one. If you took away the podcast, wouldn't it not be more suited to that budget jetpacky game that we looked at in the last episode? It would be. It would be. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, it would. Who knows? He's got a jetpack on. He's, he's got. Yeah, but nothing to. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I don't know. Somebody said, "Oh, this game's called." I think he's called this game Poltergeist. To- told. Codemasters, oh, I've made a game called Poltergeist. They've got someone in to draw a cover <laughs> going, it's called Poltergeist, so just do something around that. <laughs> right, that. And then he's yeah. turned up with what this game is, and they've gone, well, we can't pay him again. Hey. <laughs> and we ain't got another cover, so it's going out with this. <laughs> oh, no. I think, I think, you're, I think that's exactly how it went down. So anyway, yeah. So most of this is by uh, the man himself. He's improved his coding skills once again. So, you know, put the cover aside, let's get to the game. The title screen for this is full of big scrolling messages and all kinds of effects, key instructions, high score table and a decent enough tune by mr david whittaker to top it all off looks nice runs smooth no raster flickers nothing it's all good uh, the presentation here is top notch and puts a lot of full price games to shame that we have looked at pressing fire gets into the game and from the off this is manic it's just crazy it's just manic and it but it but it's technically really accomplished i thought this really technically accomplished this is like we've seen him get better and better and better as we've done these games and this is like where he's really you know, starting to fire on all cylinders. This is the person who's going on to make the Forza games, remember, Forza Horizon. So you can see him getting better and better. So it reminded me of the level of technical proficiency we saw in that tangent that a few weeks back. Only here, Mr. Yeah, Ray, yeah. 
only here, Mr. Rayburn has remembered to put the game in as well, where they forgot back then. So this is a bi-directional shooter, I guess in the drop zone mold, sort of. It's that sort of thing. Your task is to shoot. Um, there's no story to this. There's none. It's just a blaster. Uh, your task you've got is to shoot the command modules, uh, which uh, litter the landscape, uh, or whatever they're called, on each level. These look like little desktop PCs to me. That's what they look like. So you blast them. Uh, there are a number of them on each level. There's only one on the first level, so that's quite nice. You know, eases you in. Um, and if you destroy all these on each level, then the lights, there's a flat landing pad somewhere within the level. The lights on this landing pad will start to flash. And then basically, you just, you've got to fly into it. And this takes you to the next level. There's a bit in the middle where it tells you how many lives you've got left, how much shield you've got left. You score and off you go again. Boom. You're straight through. This is constant. There's no... You know, everything's just boom, 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 boom. It's really fast and just gets you going. So the next level is more of the same. You've got a new landscape, though, new enemies to contend with, new uh, new stuff. You've got more things to shoot and things like that. There are 32 levels in all. There's quite a lot of game to go at here. And there's a lot to like. The game is played on just about the whole screen. In fact, it might be the whole screen, I think. I think it is the entire screen. The main ship sprite is small and nimble, and the enemies are a similar size to you, so this feels like there's plenty of space to play in. There's usually landscape at the top and bottom. Sometimes they're in, not always, and sometimes there's floating islands. Collision with any of these scenery elements is instant death, so don't hit them. Um, at the bottom of the screen are your power-ups. So located through this, so in, the, in there in the bottom border, located through the level are what look like little lollipops, best place to describe them, like little lollipops on sticks. Uh, if you shoot these, then the first of your Delta in inspired power-ups will start to flash they'll be they're like yellow delta power-ups but whereas they were blue in delta they're kind of yellowish in this along the bottom so from right to the from left to right so the first one you get is like a forward triple shot so you fire up and down diagonals along with your normal shot there's after that there's multi-shot so you fire lots of shots to in one direction there's straight up and down shooting so there's you know you fire which way you're going and then straight up and down as well there you get the next one is a laser uh, there's back diagonals, so you fire and they fire behind you in diagonals. There's four-way shot. I don't. I never got this far, so I'm just guessing by the icons at this point. I couldn't find any instructions to tell me, or I don't think the instructions say what they are. There's diagonals and multi, I think, and there's finally a shield. I think that's the, that's what they are. It's quite hard to get to those lighter ones. Now, quite quite nicely, these can be activated with a stab of any key on the left of the keyboard, which is quite nice. You don't really have to aim mm. for a button. It's just hit mash the bottom far left of the keyboard, and it will activate it. So whichever one's flashing, douche, you can you have only one to activate at a time, and you can just activate it whenever you want. You've also got limited smart bombs, and they're activated with the press of the space bar, and you can hold them down, I think, to kill longer, so they last a bit longer. The scroll in this is fast. The controls are responsive and the blasting is manic and fast. <laughs> it's really, everything's fast. And you can hold down the fire button as well. And with a triple shot, it feels pretty powerful. There's, you know, there's none of this one button, one bullet on screen on time with this. There's literally dozens. It's just bullets everywhere and enemies and stuff just flying all over the place. It looks and sounds and plays great, I thought. But, but there's a really odd omission from the screen. There's no UI. <laughs> it's really weird. You have a shield. So basically you've got, Six, you can get, you can take six hits from the enemies, I think. I think it's six bits of shield because I've got through a level without losing anything and at the end it went, you've still got six bits of shield left. So you can take six hits. There's no visual representation to how many hits you've taken on screen. You don't flash. There's no noise. Say you're near death. Nothing. You just die. And you're like, oh, I've had six hits of us. Okay. So there's no score on screen. Um, there's no nothing. It's really weird. And I don't know why. So like I said, there's no number of lives you've got left. They're just missing. It's weird. Um, I don't know why they're not at the top. There's a big bar of emptiness at the top. And seeing as he's got icons in the bottom border, it seems odd not to have these elements in the top border, kind of like Delta did. 
and it seems just an odd omission. And you realise sort of thing, you know, those that kind of information. Oh, I need to fly a little bit carefully, try because it's manic. You just it's so, it's so all over the place. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's odd. That aside, though, I think this is easily the best thing that he's done. It's fast. It's full of action and power-ups. You know, there's loads of stuff to go on. The objectives are clear. You've got to find the little PCs and blast them, collect the things, and then get out, get out. you know, progress to the landing pad and just try and get through. Some of the levels are tricky. They get trickier as it goes on. So there's a nice level of – it gets quite hard quite quick. God knows how you get to the level 32. But at least there's a rise in difficulty and the number – you know, this is what was missing from Hawkeye. This Hawkeye feels one note. This at least feels like it's one note, but it gets harder. So it starts hard and gets harder. The controls are tight. I thought the visuals, they're not wholly original, but I thought they were pretty well drawn. And I thought it sounded great. I enjoyed this quite a lot. I think 66% for this is a tad unfair um, on the whole. For two quid, there's a lot of blasting action to be had here. That's a lot better than some of those things we've seen. And I think, you know, two thirds, I don't know. I think this is better than 66% for a shooter at budget price. But that might just be me. What about you? Um, it's a mediocre side-scrolling shooter by design. It's nothing. It's not going to shake anyone's boots, is it? But excellent budget fodder. Excellent mm. for budget money. Um I mean, given the remit at two pounds, there's loads to shoot at. Really speedy gameplay, plenty of upgrades, all for two quid. That would kill an afternoon, wouldn't it? You can't really go wrong with that. It's pretty good. Yep. I thought the graphics are okay. No one's going to win an award with them for sure, but for two quid, look the part. Average music, in-game sounds were okay. I spent a lot of time smashing into things at really high speed, so it's quite speedy. <laughs> yeah, um, you do. And the enemies are, are all over the place, and there's plenty of them. I quite like the upgrade tree. I like quite like the style. That Delta style, yes, it's Delta style, but it works. And, you know, it's it's pretty easy on the eye. It's standard stuff. There's nothing really original in here, really, but this does everything that it sets out to do well. There's no bugs or anything like that. It is a bit weird that there's no score or lives displayed in the UI. It's a bit odd. Or shields or anything like that. But it just means that, you know, it's just all about blasting in the game and you're just going to get lost in that i quite like i quite like that thought process like just never mind all that <laughs> just blow just blow stuff up go around yeah. blow stuff up. yeah um i mean you've got no idea how far you've even got in the game really apart from until then you know the level ends and you're like oh okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> just keep on keep keep on killing don't you stop killing so i, I mean I, I maybe would have liked something that you know like a countdown that appeared a little bit towards so you you know you felt like you're progressing in that way but um, I don't know. For two pounds, you can't really go. I thought it was treated a bit harshly as well. I don't think it's a sixty-six percent. I mean, it's not doing anything wholly original, but it's doing what it does really well for two pounds. There's been a lot yeah. worse shooters for for full full money, let alone budget money. So I thought mm-hmm. this was all right. It's one of the better ones of these we've seen at a budget. I had quite a lot of time for it because I was just blasting and shooting at stuff, and it made that really easy to do. And, uh, added advantage of not having to faff about pressing complex keys and things. It was just nice and easy. Shoot, keep shooting, blow stuff up. And I quite like the smart bomb, whatever they call it in this. It's um freak bomb or something. The freak the freak bomb. Yeah, when you do your freak bomb, it's just nice to just kill everything on the screen and like watch it all go pop. Mm-hmm. Loads of stuff happening on that screen as well. Yeah, it's good. It just, you know, in a weird way, it reminds me of like a Vegas casino. Because they're all full of fake lighting and you never know how long you've been there. And that's how long <laughs> that's this game's like that. You never really know how long you've been at it. You just sort of come out of your poltergeist coma and two and a half hours has gone by and you think how far have i even got i don't know <laughs> i don't know who knows no one knows <laughs> i don't know i've got what a name on a high what school. year is this <laughs> exactly yeah so that, that, for two pounds not a bad game at that just weirdly named and all that stuff but take all that well, to one side what's on the cassette that you load is a good good little game all mm-hmm. said and done i'd have been happy with two pounds spent on that yeah, so, Consider- yeah considering go, like go and give it a go beyond the ice palace got 78 percent, and hopping mad got 64 percent. this is better than both of yeah. them yeah, well, absolutely. Again, Codemasters delivering on the goods there as well. Good stuff. Yeah, Music yeah. by Whitaker. 
it's all right, isn't it? It's just a Whitaker stuff. You know, it's never going to be. You can't, can't be cast as terrible. No, I thought it sounded quite Hubbard-esque. Well, yeah, he's gone for those sounds, but it's not. It's it's, it's not. I mean, but Whitaker. it's the sounds. I mean, it sounds not as in tune, but sound. The sounds used. I think there's some Hubbardy Hubbardy noises. Early Hubbard. They're all kind of emulating each other at this point, I think. But it's not terrible, is it? For two pounds again, nice. Yeah, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed this. When I first booted it, when I first started playing it, I was like, oh my god, I was dead like immediately because it flew into the first like, like island that was straight yeah, in front of you. It's so fast. I was like, okay, I need to uh, yeah. slow down and then try to figure yeah. out what the hell to do. But yeah, it's good. I like this. Here we go, Poltergeist. All right, that's it. That's our first half of games. Four interesting games for various reasons. We're going to go away and take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we're going to look at albums for August 1988. So, um, yeah, stick around, please. The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Growing up in the 80s is a chore for Sarah, who feels misunderstood by her parents and badgered by Reese, her bothersome brother who incessantly prattles on about his treasured computer games. When Reese tells her one of the games tried to pull him inside the computer, she laughs off his fanciful fib. She waggles the joystick to disprove his fairy tale and is pulled into the computer. Now trapped in games she'd never had any interest in playing, how can she possibly beat them? With the help of Feisty Nell, another trapped player, can Sarah find her way back home or is it game over? An evil madman, a hostile planet, bloodthirsty robots, a never-ending throng of karate experts and relentless digital soldiers will do their best to ensure Sarah never escapes. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, find out if there's a way out of the beige bread bin of betrayal for Sarah in Escape from the Commodore 64. And we are back. Let's get in some albums. Well, I say let's get in some. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a dry month. This <laughs> <laughs> it's not what uh, you call uh, chock full of nuts, is it? That one. <laughs> it's not the singles last last week were, were great, but the albums. Somebody's like gone. Oh, no, we're just saving it for the Christmas boom. Um, mm. This was every album that was actually got a new release in the top four, top one hundred um, in August. This is it. This is what I had to choose from. So, you know, you, you get what you're given. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So we've got uh, two number one to start off with. First uh, two weeks of the month, we had Now That's What I Call Music, 12. Of course. Of course it is. Yeah. So uh, that's just bootling along. It's all the singles. We've talked about these before. Kicking that off the top spot, though, for the last two weeks, we had Kylie from Kylie Minogue. And we talked about this before as well, the album. I think we did. Yeah, because we, 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 said, we said last time, because you said your brother had it and he tortured you with it. He did. Um, Damn I just found some information that genuinely surprised me about this. It was the best-selling album of 1988. All right, maybe that's not such a surprise. But with sales of 1.29 million copies over the course of six months, on the 5th of January 1989, it was certified six times platinum by the British phonographic industry. The album sold wow. 1.9 million copies by the time Enjoy Yourself, which was the follow-up album, was released in late 1989, becoming the fifth highest-selling album of the decade and the highest by a female solo artist in the UK. That is just bonkers, isn't it? That is quite, yeah, that's quite impressive. Crazy, I think we the, the UK had a real, real love affair with Kylie Minogue, didn't we? We were, yes. we were, we were agog with her, shall we well, say. she was neighbours, wasn't she? So for us, she was part of the, you know, she became very quickly part of the sort of TV royalty. Mm. And then, and everyone liked her character, Charlene in Neighbours. Everyone loved it, didn't they? So yeah. she was, and she got married to 
Jason Donovan's character, whatever he was called in the TV show. I can't remember. What was his Scott, name? Scott, wasn't it? Scott, yeah, it was Scott Robinson, was it? Scott Robinson, yeah. 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 So just, there was this part of the furniture, the TV royalty furniture, weren't they? And don't forget this, you know, Kylie ushered in the wave of Australian soap opera pop stars that would... There was a lot, even her own sister. the charts over the next few years. People like Craig McLaughlin, Jason Donovan, Danny Minogue, off the top of my head, probably more. Yes. Uh, yeah, there was. Well, there was her, Natalie and Brulia, weren't there? there was quite oh, a Natalie and Brulia, yeah. Half the Neighbours cast came over and had a go, didn't they? Stefan <laughs> yeah. Dennis. Stefan Dennis, Donovan. yeah, he did, yeah. Yeah, they were, all of them had a go. And there were a lot of them. Um, there's loads more as well, because loads of them from Home and Away did it as well. Loads of them did it. Yep. Even, even what's his face? Um, is it Alf? I don't think Alf did Yeah, it. well, there's one that there's one that did um, <laughs> Alf. There's what, Harold did one. Harold and uh, what's her name did it? Uh, did they? What, Madge? Madge and Harold? Madge, I think they did do one, yeah. I'm pretty sure they released oh a God. single together. Um, I don't know if um, that older lady did. I can't remember her name. Helen Daniels, I don't know <laughs> oh, if she Miss, did. Oh, uh, Mrs. Mangle. No, no, Mrs. Helen Daniels was the, old, was, 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 was the older Robinson woman, wasn't she? She was Jim Robinson's mum, I think. Oh, Mrs. Mangle was just Mrs. Mangle, but he released a single, the guy that was, you know, young Mangle. Joe, Ma- Joe Mangle. Yeah, Joe, the guy that played Joe Mangle. I saw him in Pantomime in, in Grimsby um, not that long ago, actually, about two and a half years ago. He was good in it as well. <laughs> was he playing someone or did he just sort of rush the stage? <laughs> he, was, he was the baddie in it, of course. He was the of villain. Of course he was the baddie, yeah. It's like he, he was, was sort of the Australian nasty Nick, wasn't he? Yeah, he sort of. Then he then he became nice, didn't he? He, he got, became he nice, became yeah. Whereas nasty yeah. Nick was always nasty. Yeah, he was always he, a, he was always he a was wrong man. He was, yeah, he was. He was indeed. Go. Anyway, there you go. It's your number ones. Right, let's get into some of these albums. Oh my God, seventh um, of August, the very first new release was at number sixty-seven, and it's all of this and nothing by the Psychedelic Furs. Not even a new album. No, <laughs> it's, it's a compilation. A compilation but I don't. It says it says a compilation album, but I couldn't quite figure out what the difference is between a compilation album and a best of. Well, I guess a compilation album could include some crap. I guess I don't know enough about the psychedelic first to tell anyone what was on that. I don't know. And no. I'm, never, I'm never going to know. No, I'm not either. <laughs> they all sound the same. In at number eighty-seven was Buenos Notches from a Lonely Room by Dwight Yoakam. <laughs> yeah, what is this big, big, big country and western star from the US? Like huge. Oh. He does both, does he? Yeah, country and western, yeah. But oh, like the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he sings Rawhide really well. <laughs> Maybe. There's a picture in there. I don't I don't know what to make of it. Anyway, there's nothing released. Yeah, I don't know how recent that is. That's... <laughs> no. 14th of August, number 61, the Mac Band featuring the McCampbell Brothers by the Mac Band featuring the McCampbell Brothers. <laughs> it's just lazy. Lazy, lazy, lazy naming. Lazy naming. Lazy naming, yeah. What is I don't this? know much about the Mac Band. I did listen to them and it, it sounds kind of as you'd expect it. If, if you know, We'll put a picture maybe in the show notes and you'll figure that out what they'd sound like by looking at that picture. Yeah, I can imagine. Looks a bit boys to men. Yeah, it's, it's sort of, you know, R&B type stuff. Yeah, okay. That was it. There was that one, that was it for <laughs> 14th wow. of August. 21st of August, there's something to talk about. Number 13, Hot City Nights by various artists. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it. Why? Because <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get that track listing off this. I don't get Hot City Nights off it. I don't get Hot City Nights. It's a bad title. However, I did look at this, and apart from three tracks on here, this is a pretty good compilation. <laughs> I think this is most yeah, of it's really good. You got "I Want to Break Free" by Queen, "Alone" by Heart, "New Sensation" excess, "Crazy Crazy Nights," "Kiss," "Summer of '69," Brian Adams, Robert Plant with "Big Log." Is that just another way of saying his name? <laughs> Maybe Bob Log, um, Foreigner. I want to know what love is. Eric Clapton with "Wonderful Tonight." There, mm. Bon Jovi living on a prayer. Billy Idol, hot in the city. Magnum. I don't know why it says Magnum Three. 
I don't know. Maybe it's the third one of Magnum. I still discogs in it. Start talking love. White snake. Here I go again. Marillion. Lavender. Mm. Pat Benatar. Dilly we dilly. belong. Big country. Look away. And Rush. Spirit of Radio. There's only four in there that I don't. No, I'm not particularly keen on. But the rest of that, they're crap. That's a. I would quite happily listen to that driving along in my car with the top down and my ponytail flowing. It's great. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I would be at all. <laughs> I would. That's a great album. I don't know why they called it Hot City Nights. I don't get it. And even the cover, it looks like it would be tracks that you listen to on some hot city nights. <laughs> but you're never going to be driving through the evening sunset of Los Angeles <laughs> with the wind blowing through your hair, looking at the sunset go down over Santa Monica Boulevard, listening to Look Away by Big Country. No, that's true. Um, it did remind <laughs> me, though, uh, yeah, Spirit of the Radio of Rush is on there as well, isn't it? I mean, that's weird. It's like 10 years old at this point. It's 1978, I think that was. Um, and I would never think of Hot City Nights or Summer Nights, no. whatever it is, with Spirit of the Radio. No, and it's odd that it's the last track as well. I mean, it's not the track you would ever put on a, as an end of an album, is it? No, because it's the first track on Permanent Waves. It's a track, <laughs> exactly. it's a, you know, it, that riff it's an is, a, is an album opener. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, an exactly. album opener. So it's a weird thing. <laughs> However, it did remind me of it. It's got We Belong by Pat Benatar on here. Benatar. Oh, dear. Benatar. Benatar. But, which Benatar. I went and listened to again, and I realised it was a great song. I love that song. Um, <laughs> God's sake. You it's a great the, tune. The crap songs of the 80s. <laughs> um, this video has her clapping under a waterfall, which I was always a fan of. Of course it does. <laughs> it's a really long shot. Did you say clapping? <laughs> clapping. She's clapping under a waterfall. It's a long shot. She's on one side, and on the other on the other side of the on the sort of pond that the waterfall going into, there's a choir. I mean, it's just brilliant. It's just she great stuff. 80s trite. Isn't she also looks right. really, really different in that video to what we saw her last week when she went all rocky. Um, <laughs> not rocky as in Balboa. <laughs> That would be really weird. <laughs> Just that beating up a Russian for some reason. <laughs> and it's got that crap Magnum one. That Magnum one is the one with the highways and byways of Britain's motorways on it. Yeah. You're not selling me the album with there so far. <laughs> I, I did say there's four tracks on it. It's the Magnum one, the Marillion one, the Rob, the Big Log one, and Eric Clapton. The rest is great. I'm not I'm not feeling the hot city night with <laughs> Lavender's Blue. Dilly no. Dilly la. I'm not no. I'm not doing it. No. Crazy, crazy nights. All right. I want to break free. Mm. Maybe is that the only song that Kiss allowed to be put on compilation albums? Alternative uh, that's not by them. Every compilation album in the eighties had that track on it. Yeah, true. <laughs> to be that, or what was the other one? Uh, God the gave one rock the, and roll to you later. That came later. Then. Maybe that's the one. That, what's one. the what, the one that the Donners covered? Detroit something or other. I can't remember. There is another one that's very popular by them. That's yeah. Yeah. I can't I can't remember what it's called. No, I don't know what that is. I don't know I don't know a lot of Kiss stuff. That was always on stuff. Um but yeah, I thought it was a pretty good compilation album. Well probably back then I probably wouldn't have, but right now, yeah, that'd be fine for me. <laughs> but like you said, Fair me enough. and my crap eighties song love. So yeah, it's, it's gone all too far. <laughs> but hey ho. <laughs> we belong together, belong to each other. Great tune. Great <laughs> tune. I bet Gary loves that. I've put money on it that Gary loves that song. Of course, he loves everything. <laughs> Except eggs. <laughs> yeah, he just, he, well, he lays them. He has a love hate relationship with them. But. Unless he bleeds brown sauce on them. <laughs> exactly. You can't love the one you, you know, you lay, is the, is the way he looks at those. <laughs> yeah, well, he sees it? every egg that he's laid as his little mini children. <laughs> he paints Which a they face. They probably are. He paints a face on them and everything. <laughs> a brown does. sauce I'll face. I'll call you Steve O. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Eggy Steve. <laughs> um. <laughs> In at number 17, um, after that, <laughs> is Rock the World by Five Star. Fourth album from them. I didn't know. I never knew they got to four albums, I have to say. 
Neither did they. They got to get to five because they're called Five Star. It would be disappointing if it's their fourth and final album. It's like, yeah, it would we be, never yeah. got to five, damn you all. We should have been four star. Yeah, and it's the picture of them in the quarry on the cover. Yeah, weird, it's not weird great, how her hair it? blends in with that. It no, is, yeah. I mean, you put his songs from the quarry phase, sounds like a Doctor Who enemy. It, it probably where they shot Doctor Who, that quarry, to be honest. Of course they did, yeah. They all look, like I said before in that video, they, like they desperately want to be in the new Mad Max film. Like they've yes, got an audition for they've it. They've gone for that look, haven't they? They're, yeah. Janet Jackson, good. Michael Jackson, the kind of Jackson look of that yeah, time. They have. There's a, it's, a, there's a, it's clearly aiming at a US market. I mean, they may as well just put on the cover, please buy this if you live in the USA because we want you to buy it. Are the US like really interested in rock faces and quarries? <laughs> No, but it's that look that they've got, isn't it? It is totally sort of trying the sort of um, Mad Max approach, I think. I think that's the sort of avenue they've gone for, without a doubt, because it's, it's got that kind of colour scheme, hasn't it? Aside from its weird yeah. red and black and her hair stripey is bit. It's very but... similar to uh, Tina Turner's in uh, yeah, Beyond completely, Totally, not Lee, though, now. They've, they've, but they've, it's, it's a good album by them, actually. It's a pity that it's just crap cover material. Uh, number 18 is the Eight-Legged Groove Machine by The Wonder Stuff, finally released. Mm, yeah. Debut album. Not heard. Uh, when I looked at the track list, and I didn't recognise a single one of them, which pleased me. And this is what is this is my curse with the Wonder Stuff and a lot of those bands. They just merged into one noise for me. Not my <laughs> yeah. cup of tea at all. Yeah, I can understand that. I I had this. It, it was okay as an album. It was all right. No, it wasn't entirely my cup of tea at the time. There were loads of people I knew loved this. All the indie people I knew sort of hanging around, especially at six form and stuff. By this point, they were all over this. They were loving it. But I just hated the lead singer, as I said before. And so um, that was that. Really, really put me off them. So you burned but, it. <laughs> so yeah, I just hated them. Number fifty two is Conscience by Womack and Womack. Yeah, yeah. Womacks. I don't know much about these. <laughs> <laughs> the the married partnership of Linda Womack and Cecil Womack. They don't look like a Linda and Cecil. They he, no, do they, they don't. Or Cecil, no. I suppose it would be. They don't look. He doesn't. She doesn't look much like a Linda, and he doesn't look much like a Cecil or a Cecil. I I, I just imagine them having smoother and cooler names than that. But they're the Womacks. They're the Womacks. Yeah, as you said, why not call themselves the Womacks? Yeah, or Womack to the power of two. Firecatcher. Yes, that, that, that <laughs> could have been. Their, that's probably the best of. <laughs> <laughs> Womack squared. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Probably what it is. <laughs> square. His, his hair is a bit square. It could have been sponsored by different different things, couldn't they? As well, there's no sponsorship on that. I'm saying it's just it's very generic branding on there. There's no even they ain't got the name of their album on that cover. If that is the is cover. that the cover to is that the cover to the record? I, it might be. I don't know. Or did I just? I'm thinking. Did I just find? <laughs> did you just find a picture of now? them? That's probably not even them. <laughs> it's probably, probably it might not be thinking about just it. Just a picture of a couple. <laughs> just a couple of people. Who, they're the Womacks, but there's nothing to do with Linda Womack and Cecil Womack. Yeah. They're just a whole different bunch of Womacks. <laughs> <laughs> Womack Womack in the rock he was wasn't he he was uh, what he keeps saying Womack Womack <laughs> Sean Connery says it he does yeah Womack yeah. anyway yeah, yeah. so he's anyway. the third Womack he's the missing Womack yes. Womack to the power of three number 76 is the house sound of London volume four oh, there's a bunch of this stuff isn't there this is um, the jacking zone jacking in the jacking zone on this one <laughs> I don't want a jack. I'd never wanted no, to jack. Never, I heard of a single track on there. So I was like, all oh, right, okay. <laughs> I'm not jacking to no tracking. <laughs> 28th of August. In at number six is So Good by Misha Paris. Debut album. It's actually quite a good album after that from Misha Paris. If you like that kind of thing. Which I don't. Which you don't. But the cover of the album looks like she's been run over and killed. <laughs> it and does just laid look in like... the sand. <laughs> yeah, it looks like she's about to be dragged into the sea. It looks like that it bit does. of Creep Show with Ted Danson where it they does, get buried yeah. up to their necks. It does, yeah. It's, 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 she's just got this dead, dead-eyed, blank stare. She just—it honestly looks like she's dead. Yeah, it's, it's an odd album cover, isn't it? It's not exactly shouting because it's this. The album's called "So Good." 
I don't look so good, good to times. me. No, that looks like that's quite bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's quite Dead depressing. Dead-eyed It's a bit, a bit unnerving, really. It really is. Number 13 is Don't Be Afraid of the Dark by the Robert Cray Band. A big, big blues player, Robert Cray. Amazing blues player. I mean, like, you know, if you're talking blues players, Robert Cray is the guy, one of the guys. All right, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, um, really good. Number 16 is Rock the House by Jellybean. Jellybean? Oh, Jellybean. I can't, I can't look at the cover of this. <laughs> it makes, makes me angry looking at it. <laughs> As soon yeah. as I found it, I, it made me angry instantly. Everything about it makes me angry, everything. I threw a comb at it. <laughs> it's just every, everything that you... If you said to someone, right, you presented this to me as the as the album design. Everything that you could have possibly made wrong with something is wrong. The background picture is bad, out of focus, and it's not a very good picture anyway. And he's got and his hair's all over the shop. You've got so many contrasting fonts. and The logo for Jelly Bean is inexplicable, really. <laughs> It's so yeah. bad. I think it's it's ranks as one of the worst album covers I've ever seen. Yeah. It's so crap. So crap. And it's not a very good album either. Jelly Bean Benitez, isn't it? So and if that's Jelly Bean Benitez, he does not look like I imagined him to. Yeah, that is him. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely him. I did oh, recognise him. Okay. But but that rocks the house, that sort of painted thing across no, the middle. It's borderline comic sans that. It's not far off. I don't like that kind of display font. I mean, look at the weird angular details on that this where it's a special low price album it's just on some kind of weird arch for no reason whatsoever just stuck there <laughs> yeah. i don't want to see it anymore it needs to be it needs to be out of my eye line well, yeah what's that per- I'm, where, scro- what's I'm the- scrolling away now <laughs> what's the purple bar on the right why is that there why why is the jelly bean logo like that I don't why? know why. Why the e's? Why is it? Why the e's not level with each other? Why is nothing? It yeah. looks like it. It looks. It's either because it's this was released uh, conveniently released on the Predator Homeworld as well, or the V Homeworld, because <laughs> that looks like the writing off either of those two, doesn't it? <laughs> it does put it this way: if this was, he, they would have hunted him down and put uh, three crosses in the three points in the front of his forehead and shot him for this. <laughs> That's what the Predators would have done upon, upon release of this. <laughs> jelly bean, jelly bean. <laughs> I want a Predator to say jelly bean now a lot. I really want that now. Jelly bean, jelly bean, jelly bean. Jelly bean. Jelly bean. Over here, turn around, rock the house. Rock, jelly bean. Rock, rock the house. Jelly bean. Predators would do ace house mixes, wouldn't they? Over here. Oh, oh over here. He was 19. No, 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 19. When I, ripped, when I ripped his skull out. <laughs> for god's sake it's the predator house mix get, get <laughs> move on let's move on from jelly bean jelly bean i'm scrolling away jelly now bean. jelly bean Billy. um number 20 rap tracks Various artists. Well, what is my going misnomer on this one? alarm went off massively when I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> it went off like a sound. <laughs> misnomer. <laughs> like, goodness me! I thought, why would that be going off? And when I looked, the first two tracks on rap tracks are Yaz and the Plastic Population. The only way's up. And S Express Superfly guy. I'm like, that's not rap <laughs> at <laughs> all. No, no, it's not. Not as I know it. It's the, the no. You know, no stupid, stupid thing. Yeah, there you go. That's that one. In at number 40 is Nonstop by Julio Iglesias. <laughs> right, say what you want about Julio Iglesias. He was popular with the old middle-aged women at that time, wasn't he? God, oh, absolutely. He's a, that he's guy, good. Could, he could sell an ironing board like no other man. <laughs> 
true. <laughs> or parsnips, going by the uh, front cover of this. Um, I'm going to read this. A very Go clever on, guy. Very clever guy. Yeah, clever I mean, guy. as you've noted, he's a former professional footballer. So I, I, I went and looked. That. I went and looked on Wiki, and this is from the Wiki. I'm gonna, uh, this is crazy. He alternated playing professional football with studying law at the CEU San Pablo University in Madrid. In his youth, he was a goalkeeper wow. for Real Madrid Castilla in the Segunda Division. His professional football career was ruined when he was involved in a serious automobile accident in 1963 that left him unable to walk for two years. The accident smashed his lower spine and left his legs permanently weakened and requiring therapy for several years. He has said of those years, I had more courage and attitude than talent. While he was in hospital after the accident, a nurse named Eladio Magdaleno gave him a guitar so that he could recover the dexterity of his hands. In learning to play, he discovered his musical talent. After his rehabilitation, Inglacia studied for three months at Bell Educational Trust Language School in Cambridge, England. And after that, he returned to obtain his law degree at Comp Complutense University in Madrid. I mean, fair play to the man. I mean, that's incredible. <laughs> me. I tell you what, and if he can sell parsnips at 65p a pack on top of all that, <laughs> then there really is no end to this man's talents. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is an incredible story, isn't it? I mean, that is amazing. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. Oh, wow. No. And his son's a musical talent as well, isn't he? So in Rico, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. So I mean, good lord, I mean, I love that. It's, it is a bit. Um, what's his face? That what's the Marvel guy? Doctor Strange, isn't it? And then often kicked a football and then took someone to court, playing all his skills to his advantage there. It, yeah, exactly. Wow. I was impressed <laughs> with all that story. There you go. It's this feel good story for the week. <laughs> we'll call this we'll call this the Julio Iglesias moment. Julio yeah. Iglesias na, moment. Na, 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 na. <laughs> you know what? I'm so tempted I might put that music underneath that bit when you read out his story then. I, I think you should. Number 87. You also got to do an advert in his voice for parsnips. Or maybe I'll do that. <laughs> when you want, you don't want potato. You don't want sweet potato. You need the goodly parsnip. 65 pesos a pound. <laughs> 65 pesos? Euros? Pesos. Not when he was selling them back in that's 1988. A Mexican, that's, a, that's a Mexican currency, the peso, oh, yeah. isn't it? What, what did they sell? What's the currency in Spain? What was um, the the parsnip, ironically enough. <laughs> 65 parsnips a pack. <laughs> that seems like a good price. <laughs> Do I get 65 parsnips in it? No. Four. <laughs> what do you think I am? Made of parsnips? Damn this government and their stupid currency. <laughs> Which we can't remember. I don't know what the Spanish currency was before they went what to the was, euro. What was the, what was the Spanish currency? Was, I don't know. I just said I don't know. remember that? I honestly, don't, I, don't know I remember I don't the know. I can remember the drachma. Of course, I'm gonna have to look it up. I'm and I can remember the right the, the franc. Um, and there was the peseta, yeah, peseta, the peseta. What did I say? Pesos. I went far off. Yeah, but it's not far off potato, is it? It's not far off parsnips. <laughs> Sixty five potatoes for a pack. <laughs> for a pack of parsnips. Bag, <laughs> this roots vegetable stock exchange is ruining our lives. <laughs> <laughs> I give you three turnips. Never. <laughs> three turnips for one marrow. Are you having a laugh? <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, good old Julio. Yes, that man can sell a pass. That's why they call him the Comeback Kid. It is. Yes. It uh, is. Where was I? I've got three albums there. Number eighty-seven is "Find Out" by Stephen Dante. <laughs> Electro funk slap bass. <laughs> 
And that is so strong, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I wasn't quite prepared. <laughs> My speakers were up quite loud when I listened to this. And I thought, and then it started, and I thought I'd blown them. I thought I'd blown my speakers when that slap bass came in, that electro funk what a noise. Like, yeah, it's like Jesus. quite epic, isn't it, the noise on that one? Yeah. It's like uh, mixed by him out of uh, Iron Maiden. Yeah, it's very heavy, very electro, that. And at number 90 was House Hallucinations, Pump Up London. <laughs> Got Jack the Bases on that one. Various eyes. Jack the Bass on that one as well, is it? <laughs> yeah, by Jack Master Funk, yeah. Jack the Bass. Good, good old Jack the Bass. And finally, in at number 98 was The Greatest Hits Live by Carly Simon. Yes. Car- Do you like Carly Simon, actually? Just as a I, I like curiosity. the popular songs of Carly Simon. Yeah, I remember Nobody Does It Better, because is that on a Bond movie? One of the Bond movies, isn't it? That's uh, Spy or Love Me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think nobody does it, but does it sound the same? Is it the same? I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. Sometimes I thought Carly Simon sang a James Bond song. If it is, it'll be that one, because that's, that's on Spy Love Me. Ah, that'd be why then. Yeah, but you've got You're So Vain, aren't you? Which, um, yes, yeah. You're So Vain, yeah. Coming Around Again, slash Itsy Bitsy Spider, of course. Very famous track. Uh, any more? I don't know any more. No, I don't either. <laughs> it's a very short live set. <laughs> <laughs> Cozy 10 minutes. <laughs> Nobody does it better, because I'm for six hours. Well, I tell you what, Coming Around Again, Itsy Bitsy Spider goes on for ages, doesn't it? Because she keeps singing that, Itsy Bitsy Spider. It's like, you know, it's... I know nothing stays the same. Coming around again. She keeps just skimming that over and over again. Yeah. It's a, it's a real crowd pleaser. Anyway, yeah. uh, that's it. it that's is. the albums. It was a strange month. Strange, strange month. But, um, you know, at least we had the Julio Iglesias moment. Exactly. I rate that month three <laughs> turnips. <laughs> I'll rate you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Vegetable poker is what they play out there, is it? <laughs> I'm all in. Oh my god, the table can't handle it. <laughs> the root veg casino is doing very well at the moment. Yeah, they're just they're, instead of like a ball in the uh, the roulette, they're just throwing like a you know a potato just goes tumbling <laughs> around in there. Is it on red? Is it on black? I don't know. It's broken in half. I don't know. It's turned into chips. Damn it! We should have used a new potato with a smaller rounder. They are. They are. They're much better. There we go. That's your <laughs> albums. Let's leave this place because <laughs> it's, it's, it's a silly place. We'll be back in a bit. We've still got five games to get through, and I don't think many of them are very good. But we shall see. We'll, we'll see. see you in a bit. The novel Escape from the Commodore 64 by David Hearn is out now. Crash landing on a green planet full of vector graphics, can Sarah find a way to escape for real? Or is she stranded on a planet full of sun, sea and chippy tea forever? Imagine finding yourself in a cinematic karate game, having to rescue a princess or remain stuck under the run-stop key forever. What about finding yourself on a space freighter full of robots? Could you clear the decks? If you were transported back to a Wild West town having to round up outlaws, could you survive until sunset? What if you were a wizard with a cat who must color worlds? Could you beat the game, or would a virtual guitar solo announce your demise? Sarah might just be another visitor, but she doesn't want to stay a while, never mind forever. Available from Amazon and all good online retailers, discover if there's a way out in Escape from the Commodore 64. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. Well, after that root vegetable-based nonsense, we are back, um, and we've got five games still to get through, so let's waste no time and get straight into them. Graham, take us to hell and back. To hell and back. 
995 from CRL. Right. <laughs> <laughs> set set expectations to low. <laughs> <laughs> everything in this is done by Andy Jervis. Code, graphics, musician, the whole lot. He did everything. Nothing he didn't do. There ain't Good nothing he can't do. No. Um, to Helen back, you are Archangel Bertram. Um, you've got to try and gain access. <laughs> Who? Bertram. <laughs> Yep. I've never heard of Try and gain access into the underworld by traveling around. Right. Now, I'm not sure who wrote these instructions or where they're from. Okay. I'm just going to put this out there now. I don't know if these are the official ones or not. I don't think they are. So I'm just going to read what I've got out here because this is what I could find. You are Archangel Bertram. Try to gain access into the underworld by traveling around the netherworld, that land between earth and hell, retrieving the Ten Commandments. Throughout the graveyard and netherworld levels, you will be challenged by ghosts, zombies, and skeletons when you finally arrive in hell to fight it out with Mephisto. Your way is not only barred by giant wolves and snakes, but also Mephisto's gophers. But don't despair, you have your own secret weapon with you, your Halo. In this semi-maze, two-way scrolling game with over 500 screen, no one is killed. You only stun your attackers, and they are transformed into angels and sent back to heaven. That's the instructions. Maybe legit instructions or not, I don't know for sure. <laughs> No, um, no. I like the loading screen image that depicts the main character either dressed as a Scotch egg <laughs> or, <laughs> or, a, pot- or, or possibly, a potato. <laughs> a potato or possibly wearing a cooked turkey carcass. Um, <laughs> we'll park that for now. Let's just park that. The game begins with a title screen depicting a pair of devilish eyes staring at you. And a mini animation at the bottom of the screen where your character steps on the cloak of a ghost <laughs> who promptly gets embarrassed. <laughs> and runs away only to return with a whole bunch of his mates and then chase you off. You'll laugh yourself stupid at that, you will. You won't. Well, I will, because it's just ripped off from uh, Pac-Man. Yeah. yeah. The music, which is a shrieking cacophony, won't impress you, though. And that's the same music you get into the game, too, and it will eventually make you want to hurt yourself. Um, the game begins with a press of the fire button, and you are transported to a kind of walled, ghost and goblins-inspired game world. <sighs> Think characters popping up from the ground, ladders to climb, fire pits to jump, and, well, you'd be thinking correctly character has a halo on top of his head, which doubles as your weapon. Press the fire button and it will shoot out and kill your, en- kill your enemies, which generally appear all over the level like they do in Ghosts and Goblins. Jumping is controlled with the joystick here, and the goal is to make your way across the level to the end where you will fight a boss. In the first stage, it was a giant Scooby-Doo, which is odd, <laughs> and then collect one of the Ten Commandments. And so it goes. That's how the game is played. Um, it's like Ghosts and Goblins, or it's a Ghosts and Goblins clone, really. Uh, with some added oddness, some of the enemy types home in on you, which can often leave you in difficulty, as if they don't kill you, they will cause you to jump or fly back from your current position, which often leaves you dead or in peril or both. Yep, um, yep. It's challenging if you're on a platform, but there's plenty over here because it'll sometimes just throw you into the fire. Also, on some occasions, you are spawned in really awkward places and killed instantly, which I hate in games that do that. hate that. Mm-hmm. It's a total trial and error game, this. It's quite hard, all said and done. And I noted that your halo weapon is generally okay, unless you are falling from a height, which means it won't fire and floats back to your head really slowly, which is really annoying. In this game, that is life or death. So Mm -hmm. the graphics here are somewhat chunky, but okay. The main sprite is odd, but controls reasonably well and looks like some kind of bearded guy, I guess. (laughs) I guess that's Bertram for you. Um, The background graphics are varied and pretty colourful, and the enemies aren't terrible they kind of blend in a little too much in some of the love of the levels and it can often be difficult to discern background from hazard so you'd be walking along on the second level and you'll fall into a pit of spikes and you won't have even known that it was a pit of spikes because it's really hard to see them and um, there's ladders and platforms all the usual array of challenges it's not utterly terrible this it just looks and plays like a poor imitation of ghosts and goblins which has been out for a good while now anyway the ui mm-hmm. is small at the bottom which with lives halos um, i don't know if halos were, were, were limited or not i can't remember but i remember seeing yeah, the count for yes. the halo so you're going to get so many halos yeah. which is stupid again 
number of commandments attained, mostly in a yellow typeface and a brown background. But it's only two or three characters high, so there's not much... There's not, there isn't... It's not very good. There isn't much <laughs> new or exciting in here. It's not throwing anything amazing into the mix, and it's full price. Indeed, it's more than Ghosts and Goblins. Um, the score is about right, I think, for what it is, whatever the score was. It was quite low, wasn't it? Was, was it uh, 59%? Uh, 59%. Actually, I, 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 yeah, it's probably a bit too high, maybe. It's not great, this. Um, it's passable, I suppose, for CRL. And I mean, compared to the other way, this is a you know, pure bloody genius compared to all the other crap output. But that's not saying much, is it? It's just this is just the least crap, um, and that's not, not that's not a review you want on anything. Um, <laughs> it lacks. He was, he, this band was the least bad of the night. <laughs> exactly. Um, it lacks any real fun. This um, it feels de- very derivative, very tired format. We've seen loads of this kind of stuff. I mean, it was it was only last episode we were playing. Um, Beyond the Ice Palace, and that's not, it's essentially this, isn't it? It's not far off this, really, just a different mm-hmm. character and kind of a moderately different, different setup, but the principal, principality of it is the same. No extra weapons that I could note in this game either. Um, your main screen is, as I said, um, the, it plays and looks like Ghosts and Goblins. It's quite a big play area, but I don't know. It's just, if I'm going to play Ghosts and Goblins, I think I'm just going to play Ghosts and Goblins. I'm not going to go to Aldi and get CRL's version here. <laughs> so, um, no, it wasn't for me, this. And it's expensive at 10 quid. Another t- another CRL ripoff, really. Um, they're just copying someone else's game, not doing as good a job of it, and charging more. Are you mad? That's not a business model that's ever going to work. Anyway, um, I didn't think much to it at all. So what about you? I think you thought more to it than I did. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I said, you know, I've started this with crappy rubbish limited, which is what I think CRL actually stands for yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strike think, a game. Good, this. God-awful Ghosts and Goblins knockoff. There's a cadence and there's a speed to the enemies in Ghosts and Goblins that this is sorely lacking here, as you're beset by a stream of naff sprites constantly from both in front and behind. Couple that with being bounced back, usually into fire, as you've noticed, when you're hit, you have a recipe for awful, awful. And this is certainly that. Ugly sprites, annoying music. I didn't like this at all. I thought it was horrible. It's just horrible to play. Just the jumping was crap, the way those platforms were sort of staggered. You had to kind of jump up them and some of the... And just constant... Don't give me limited ammo when you put unlimited enemies stupid. in. Stupid. Yeah, no, completely agree. It's a stupid, stupid thing to do. It's a ridiculous thing. It, you know, oh, you can only shoot so many times, but the enemies never stop. Like, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. Why have a halo as a boomerang? It's not shaped like that. No, it's a massive map on that game as well. It's huge. It, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there is. I don't care. It's stupid. This game is awful. Bugger off to hell and never come back as far as I'm concerned. I hated this. Drag this it was, to hell. <laughs> yeah. Awful, awful. I was like, started to play it and I was like, oh my God. I thought it was really ugly as well. Really ugly. Yeah, it's, it's not It's not a nice looking thing, is it really? Just a mess of a thing. Um, 59%. Christ on a bike. Poltergeist got 66. So it's 66%, 77% better than that. You could have a laugh madness this this was a poor 30 odd percent at best for me um, yeah it's not I, good. I hated it can bugger off here we go to hell and back didn't yeah rub me up the wrong way that one did i just can't stand being hit and then bounced into death no i hate that and there's been a few that have done it recently in these yeah well. just don't knock me back and kill me i just don't do that you're just going to earn my Ghost ire goblins does it doesn't it but it, you at least don't die from it because it just takes your armor off you doesn't it yeah and most times as well there's what? There's one one bit of water and a couple of pits in Ghosts and Goblins. So you're not yep. generally getting bounced to death. You just it's totally you know there's parts of that game you can't get past because of that bug, really. Yeah, it's horrible. Just horrible. I really didn't like this at all. There you go. Let's leave it alone. Let's move along into our next one. And our next one is well, 
Street Fighter. Street Fighter has appeared. Hadouken. Named that, yes. It's named that. It's named that. This version's named that. So it's £9.99. Okay. What do you say about Street Fighter? I mean, what do you say? I mean, one of, it's one of those very rare occurrences we get where this game is, you know, it's the start of something that we all know will go on to be huge. I mean, the Street Fighter name will go on to be huge things when the sequel arrives and sets the bar for fighting games going forward. When Street Fighter 2 lands and then the NES port arrives and things like that, and it's just, it's massive. I used to play loads of Street Fighter when I was away in... Um, at college, someone had a NES, a SNES, sorry, um, and that version on there, and, and we used to play quite a lot of it. That and Mario Kart. Um, but you know, this is this is the beginning of it. Here we go. This is Street Fighter, and you know, this is the C sixty four version of that from the wiki. Um, I'm just going to read from the Wikipedia. Street Fighter was designed by Takashi Nishiyama and Hiroshi Matsumoto. It debuted in arcades in 1987, and the player controls martial artist Ryu. Ryu, I don't know if you pronounce it, to compete in a worldwide martial arts tournament spanning five countries and 10 opponents. Okay, so there you go. That's what this is all about. Uh, the C64 version manages to include all this with five countries, 10 opponents present. You know, all there, all, all present and correct. This was converted by Teatex, uh, according to Lemon64, although Moby Games lists Scott Maxwell as the programmer. I'm not sure if that's the UK or US version. We'll see. I don't know. And this version, first version I'm going to look at is because there's two versions here. So this first version, the main version, was really this one that was reviewed in Zap is the European version. So, you know, and this was by Go. Go, go. So five countries to travel around and ten opponents to fight. The locations are Japan, USA, England, China, and Thailand. The opponents to fight there um, are Retsu and Geki, or Geki, Geki, I guess, in uh, Japan. There's Joe and Mike in uh, the USA. There's Birdie and Eagle <laughs> in England. <laughs> what? Whatever. Are we all named after golf? <laughs> golf scores over Steve, here? We are, yeah. And we clearly are. Uh, Lee and Jen, or Gen, um, in China. And there's finally Adon, or Adon, Adon, I don't know, Adon, and Sagat in Thailand. So this is another multi-load to fit it all in. And when it starts, uh, we get some options. Uh, we can turn the multi-load on or off, uh, which is quite interesting, actually. I've never seen that before in a game. And this means that it, it never... Because it just loads in the different backgrounds and the characters, but all the characters are obviously there. It's just loading the background. So this means if you turn that off, you just play all the way through. Just all the, all the fights happen in Japan, though. If you just you know, if you just if you're just about the fight and you don't care about the background, turn the multi-load off. Make it much quicker, I'd have thought. So that's quite handy. It's a nice touch. We can also choose to play multiplayer. Um, and if you play multiplayer one-on-one, uh, then the winner of that goes on to the single-player mode. Odd. <laughs> Why can't you just carry on with a two-player mode? That's the odd thing. <laughs> it is a bit weird. It's a bit strange. I mean, it's like the arcade game. I think when you play in the arcade game, two players, then you go on to the single-player mode. I think. Anyway, finally, we can press fire to start the game. Uh, there's also a tune playing. I'm not sure if it's trying to replicate the sounds of the arcade. It's weird. It's a weird tune. Um, I don't yeah, know where it comes because I had a look at the arcade version. There's no tune on the title screen, but there are some interstitial tunes. I think it might be one of them. It's got weird tunes, though. Weird um, noises for the C64. It feels really bassy, like a sort of arcade yeah. sound. It's actually quite quite interesting sounds they've managed to get out of this, I think. Whoever's done it, I don't know who's done it. Um, and that's kind of rep- pre- prevalent throughout most of the tunes in this version. For the, for the, it's odd, odd bassy noises. Uh, weird. Anyway, click fire and we're into our first fight with Retsu. I don't remember Retsu. He didn't make it to the later Street Fighter games, did he? Don't believe so. Who's Retsu? Uh, as I said, we play as Ryu, and it's our job to beat the living crap out of all in front of us. First things first, I'm never a fan of games that just use the C64 font for stuff. I think it's lazy. Nope. Um, and this does that for the UI elements at the top. Um, so the UI, well, it, it's got the elements of the arcade, but the way it's laid out is crap. <laughs> it's all over the place. You've got player one and two's health, 
they're above each other. Why are they not on the left and right? No. Why, why, why? Why the number of rounds? The number of rounds are, though, but, you know, each fight is the best of three. Um, but the hell's not. It's weird. You've got the score for the player, the time left. Um, each fight is two minutes. Just why Why is the health above each other? Why are they not left and right? Weird. So this version has the scrolling backdrop that the arcade has. So as you fight, the backdrop pans left and right as you sort of move, um, move in front of this. Um, and we have our two two characters battling it out and well i mean the, the backdrops are not great they're a bit chunky they're a bit blocky they're a bit ugly but they're they're nothing compared to the characters the characters are blocky lumpen and indistinct a mass of colors that resemble that resemble their arcade counterparts if you close your eyes and just imagine the arcade game um <laughs> it's gone beyond squint in this the animation is jerky and odd and the moves are not particularly easy to pull off the and there's no uh i read the manual i looked at the manual i couldn't see any instructions for actually you know how to do nope. moves so, so there's nothing in this so god knows you know what you're supposed to do collision is all over the place the response the response to doing things feels slow and leaden this is lumpy lumpy fighting lumpy blocky ugly fighting all the personality of the arcade game has been ripped away and landing a hit feels more like luck than skill i mean i tried to do the upward punch that's the sort of this sort of you know the jump I don't know I don't know where that was disappeared I don't know if that moves still in there I don't Probably think it is no the enemy AI is brutal they seem to be able to land hits from out of nowhere they just do you in which is yeah. they just do you in this feels sluggish like I said and horrible in the hand and just a bad bad beat em up there's no I said no instructions. Um, so just lost, just trying things, and the jerky nature of the whole thing leads to another in the long line of terrible ports from the arcade. So this is awful. It's really bad, ugly. The only decent thing is that weird sort of bass sound, which I quite liked for the music. I didn't really mind that. But playing this is a, you know, is a, it's just painful. It's horrible. I didn't like it. And normally that's where we'd leave it. It'd just be like, you know, a crap conversion of something that would go on to be a lot bigger. But there's a US version to this as well. And if we've, as we've seen recently, we saw it with uh, some of the games. It's totally different. Totally, totally different. So what of that version? This version was made by Pacific DataWorks International, who made the god-awful Bionic Commando US version. So you're thinking, Ooh, okay, mm. is this going to be another one? And again, it was published by Capcom. When the game loads, the music's a bit less bassy. It's not as good as the EU version. We do have more options, though. So we have a difficulty option in this version, in the American version. So you can swap from novice to normal to expert. Nice. Okay. And we can turn the music on or off. Um, but we can't get rid of the multi-load here. So it's on multi-load no matter what. Also, if we leave the title screen for a little while, we get a weird demo of Ryu and Retsu fighting in front of the Street Fighter logo. And the first thing you'll notice here is the quality of the sprite. They're high res and they're far more detailed and well animated than the horrible EU version. They're actually very good. Into the game, we've lost the screen scrolling. So they've just just dumped that. They've gone, right, look, you're going to play it. So you've still got the same image, but it's just all fitted on screen. Looks, and I thought it looks actually all right. That background was, the backgrounds are pretty good in this version. So the background's better. The sprites are a league apart. It's just way incredibly, they're, they're really good sprites. High res, well animated. They look good. They move all right. Very nice. The enemy AI in this in this version is not in, infallible. Um, I was able to get quite far into it, admittedly, on novice, but that's what you should be able to, not have it just beat the crap out of you. I got pretty far. Um, incredible, you know, it's the same thing, same levels, same number of levels, same fighters. You go through it. The second fighter is this ninja guy where they can throw sh- uh, shurikens at you, but you can just take them out. Uh, handily, you can just, the old leg sweep move is uh, is the winner. You can just get with leg sweep him, but you know it's it, 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 at least you can do that in the in the EU version. You just didn't hit anything. 
The difference between these two versions is night and day. The UI is better. It's at the bottom of the screen. Um, it has a proper font, uh, and the health bars are on either side. So everything's where it should be. It feels like a proper fighting game, whereas the other one feels like somebody's described it to you and just gone, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. The second level is the train yard. That looks good as well. And I found myself quite enjoying this version. It's not the best beat-em-up on the 64. No, it's not. It reminded me a little bit of Yiya Kung Fu, the conversion of that, sort of in looks of that high-res sprite style and things, so that kind of style. Um, but I did like it. It was it was pretty good, which is more than can be said of the awful EU version, which is a pox. So it shows that a semi-decent version of Street Fighter was more than possible on the machine and also shows what horror we had to put up with over here. I mean, I can only assume that Capcom must have wished they could have done a proper Hadouken at Go Software for their, for their travesty of a conversion. Because that American one, if you're going to play either version and come from this, go, go check out that US version. It's way better. It's not perfect, but it's much, much better and more enjoyable than the awful, awful uh, European version. There you go. It got what did what did it get in score wise? So you got thirty six percent. Yeah, probably maybe even less for me. But there you go. What do you think? I thought the UK version. I mean, what a blocky mess that is, isn't it? Straight from the world where we've got already got where the exploding fist, fist two tournament. IK and IK Plus. Barbarian so that must have come from a world yeah, where, where they don't exist. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, it's just absolutely dreadful on the eye, ear, and pocket at a tenor. Awful, blocky characters that bear no resemblance to anything I know of Street Fighter. I mean, okay, I get mm. it. It's the Commodore 64, and porting this game to that is just stupid anyway. So my attempt, my advice would have just been don't do that. Unless you plan on creating something like where the Exploding Fist, it's going to be rubbish, isn't it? Guess what? It is. Background detail is... In that in the UK one, I'm not even sure I described that. Not good. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it's made from bad character graphics at best. The players are a blocky mass of fidgeting pixels that periodically assume a human form. Um, their skin tone seems to blend in with the background periodically, so there is no sense of impact, purpose, or moving. I'm an ambition. It's just bloody awful in every possible way. Absolute mm-hmm. garbage. Um, and it's multi-load as well. Nah, no way. UK version, no thanks. The U- Oh, the EU version, whichever it is. The US version, immediately better title screen and graphics on the intro. Game looks the part as per the title screen with the right logo. Music is weird, but passable. Sprites are way better. Better drawn and defined properly, as are the backgrounds. They look like game characters. And yes, they're a little bit smaller and the animation is still not great, but it's head and shoulders over that UK garbage. The fighting suffers from the same problems, as far as I was concerned. I think because it's more akin to Yakung Food and Street Fighter that I know of, but I've never really got into any of the Street Fighter games, so I don't know how really much more about they play. However, that said, I couldn't do any any moves that really had any tangible value in either of these versions, but at least I could see what they were attempting in the US version. They're just blocky splodge number three or whatever that might be. <laughs> yeah. I don't rate either of these as decent fighting games, but the US one is at least way better than the UK one, so make of that what you will but I wouldn't have given this 36%. I'd have given this in the low 10s. It is utterly, utterly stupid and rubbish. It is. The US version is, it's like looking at a different thing. In fact, it's like looking at the UK version if someone put their glasses on. It was, you know, I had really bad eyesight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good. That's a good comparison. The weird thing is, is how, you know, they ballsed up Bionic Commando last time um, the other, with the other week, and and they've managed to make the better street, and now it's gone the other way round. So very, very weird. You can have one, but not the other. Pick one. Which will you want? Um, but yeah, there we go. Street Fighter. There, isn't there a port of Street Fighter Two coming up? I'm sure there is. Yeah, I think there is. Will be. And, and I imagine that's going to be awful. But maybe there isn't. I don't know. Maybe there the isn't. loading screen. By the way, it did make me laugh for the UK one. With his smell, <laughs> yeah. smell my cheese. <laughs> proper smell my cheese well that's the thing even the um i mean i posted the, the covers the british one the one on the left looks rubbish it's just like 
he's got, he's got this big brown, you know, dark brown jacket on, which is weirdly reminiscent of Ryu in Shenmue because he has a brown leather yeah. jacket. Um, but he's up against a, a gang of street toughs, which is not the Looks game. Like final fight, that. Yeah, exactly. Like Whereas fight. the one, the American one on the right, is actually quite atmospheric. Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty You know, good. just a sort of character silhouetted against the sort of smoke mm. behind him. That's really quite cool. But yeah, the the, <laughs> the loading screen is a proper smell my cheese moment. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, got, it's a better loading screen than our next game anyway. Let's move into that. More fighting. More warriors. This time, though, Dream Warriors. Tell us about Dream Warrior, Graham. <laughs> this game. <laughs> <laughs> this stupid, stupid game. The tagline for this game is, you don't die, you just wake up. And that's what you'd be praying for as soon as it loads. Trust me on that. <laughs> yep. Oh, God, this stupid game. This is by published by US Gold, strange enough. It's a, oddly a US Gold game that isn't a license of some kind. So no. make that what you will. Coded by Colin Reed, graphics by Stefan Ufanowski, and the musician is Anthony Lee. It's not a bad team of people that put behind it. Um, but we're going to dive into the world of this game now. And I'm going to pre-warn you a little bit here that what we're about to go through, <laughs> you may not feel the same way about the world after we've finished with this okay so just bear with me okay bear in mind that the main the main enemy in this game looks like a a combination of a double beaked chicken with two heads converted into a worm but let's just let's just park that for a moment um so the focus the world of the future knows no physical wars only dream wars god's sake um Mm -hmm. they are just as lethal Victims lose their minds instead of their lives, which is worse. Or actually, which is worse? No, actually, it's a question. Which is worse? I think losing your life is worse than losing your mind, but okay. Yeah, probably. World power is no longer held by governments. Instead, mega corporations decide world fate. They, in turn, are controlled by the focus. Not the Ford Focus, though they are a very good economical family car. Not that. Not uh, that. The Focus Fellowship has total control over their own corporation. Little is known of their activities, except that they have the collective ability to focus demons from the dark side into dreams of any of unfortunate who gets in their way. So when they say little is known, you actually mean quite a lot, really, because that's, that's, that sounds like a very deep, dark secret thing that they would possess, and you know that anyway. Now that the world power is theirs, all right, uh, the competition between the differing Focus Fellowships has become intense. They all want to be master focus. They all want absolute power. Meanwhile, the world is slowly going insane, as are we as we slowly go through this. <laughs> Took me ages to read this. Ages. Way longer <laughs> so, than the words that were written. Sorry, so, 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 so stupid. Resistance groups still exist. And whilst the focus was busy fighting amongst itself, four astral scientists known as the ass men. <laughs> that's what they are. Uh, made a... <laughs> Made a breakthrough in human dream control. (laughs) (laughs) They secretly conducted an experiment using pulsar neutrons and successfully found a way to combat the Focus's most powerful weapon, the Dream Demon. Right. Their success was short-lived. Three of the ass men were discovered and are now suffering the torment of Ocula, the greatest dream demon of them all. Is that like... Is it the eye? I don't know. It sounds very painful. (laughs) It sounds very painful. And you may need ointment. Um, And a glove with one finger. (laughs) Enter the dreams of your colleagues. Find and destroy the ocular, the six-eyed monster who is sending your friends and the world's hope into the maelstrom of insanity. You only have one chance. Once you leave their dreams, the focus will find you. You are the fourth ass man. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are the dream warrior. So you're the fourth ass man, man. I'm going to read the little extended bits because you have to. Ocular. Ocular has linked the dreams of the trapped ass men and, imp- <laughs> and imprisoned their psychic images. <laughs> Stop saying ass men. <laughs> That's what they are. Two of them are trapped within separate blocks of the offices of Megabook Incorporated. The third... And this is where it gets really weird. Mega third, third is within the world of the worm, a planetoid two-headed snake. Demi-demons roam through all dreams. Ocular himself hides in wait within his own blackness. Within one of the dreams... <laughs> within one of the dreams, there is a black hole, the doorway into the realm of Ocular. This is the entrance to the final battle and can only be gained when the psychic images of the three dreamers have been recaptured from Ocula's demi-demons. Once this realm is entered, there is no going back. Each of Ocula's six eyes must be blasted shut before the demon and the power sources for the focus is finally destroyed. If you wake up, the dream is over. I'm like, as I'm reading this, I'm like, what? You can tell that the insane amounts of cocaine that would have been consumed during the construction of this were really <laughs> kicking in at this point. They were going wild. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm going to have to, I'm, and I don't. I wouldn't normally go into so much depth with these, but I have to for this because there are parts of this that need explaining, and this is the only way. Uh-huh. So, it's a, in a section called the game, it describes the Dream Hopper. Access to the dreams is via a Dream Hopper. You will materialize from this at the start of the game. It can be used to jump from dream to dream at any time, provided there is sufficient Hopper energy. If not, you will dematerialize, lose all the hopper energy stored, and immediately return to the same dream. The hopper is activated automatically when you move beneath the three hopper balls. <laughs> Images of the dreamers will then be shown in the dash panel. When the dreamer you require is displayed, press fire to enter his or her dream. A dream jump discharges all the hopper's energy and must be recharged before it can be used again. Hopper energy is indicated on the lower right of the dash panel. Uh, what? I'm not going to go into any more of the various different psi globes and the world of the giant demons that materialize and the soul-snatched bombs um, and the bonus score and the bonus image character or the worm planetoid. Um, because at that point is when you, the worm's head transforms into a sloop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making any of that. You go and read the instructions for that. We'll, we'll post them with the show notes. Feel free to enjoy that. I didn't, but feel free to enjoy that. Right. The game then. All right. And, and this, this, I mean, honestly, and that's not, that's just a instructions. I mean, goodness. This is a co- classic example of too much bloody game story and not enough bloody game. Here we have Dream mm-hmm. Warrior, a side-scrolling run and gun, gun and seek, you know the type of thing by now. We've played hundreds of these. You control the last ass man, <laughs> diving in and out of your friend's dreams, looking to kill a six-eyed monster called Ocular or a six-eyed Ocular. I don't know. The game sees you first being presented with the loading screen, which looks oddly like an image of a young Gary Barlow from Early Take That. <laughs> <laughs> or as you've pointed out, Ivan Drago um, in grey. He must break you. <laughs> he must break, break you. Anyway, uh, from there to the title screen, and the raster bars are so strong in that screen. It's like raster crazy. Um, uh-huh. Decent music for Anthony Lee's, I suppose. And then the game starts with a tap of the fire button, and then you're into this crazy, crazy world. Um, with your joystick, you control your ass man, running around the, the pseudo 3 d background, shooting dream baddies and finding side globes and collecting various colored pods that do different things. Some build up the dream image of your colleagues so you can enter their dreams. Some will fill up your dream hopper, which is your dream conduit. Some will give you special safe access cards. Weird. And some will give you lift access on certain levels. That's the best way I can describe the nonsense. That's the yeah. best way I can describe it. Essentially, you need to collect them to navigate around and find the ocular in each of these three dreams that your colleagues are trapped in. Although they just seem to turn up and disappear. And I don't know. Two of the ass men are trapped in, like I said, in, in the Megabook office. The other one, inexplicably in the world of the worm, which is this planetoid humanoid snake. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> Just for reasons, your character is dressed like a biker in green leathers or 
an eight bit that's an eight bit look of a master chief from halo maybe i don't know either way well, maybe it's more of a green green space biker than a dream warrior ass man i would say uh the game window is split into two the top half is the game space where your ass man runs around in the pseudo 3d kind of way similar to those early ultimate style games so 2d scrolling but with added depth at the bottom is the ui styled like a dashboard that indicates your score your sleep depth which i'll come to in a bit the space where the image of your colleagues will gradually fill in and complete as you collect the side globes, that sort of thing. Um, so you've got this kind of indicator. And then there's also, as I said, there's now the hopper energy level as well in there. The background of the game changes for the levels with level one kind of having a blue shaded vibe. And then later it changes to an orange one, I think. And then l- later down the line, you're on a giant snake. Honestly, just in all fairness, the graphics actually are okay. I mean, as much as I don't like the game at all, the graphics aren't terribly well ter- terribly badly drawn and the sprites are okay for what they are they're just completely out of place in this game it, with the limited cores that are available they're used reasonably well and it gives it a de- decent sense of environment uh, embedded in the walls are the lift doors the sleep safes the floor pads all of which cost you various orbs and all of which are there to help you get to the ocular in each level and close its eye mm-hmm. <laughs> so you run you shoot and you interact with things awkwardly the sound effects are somewhat obvious in nature, so pew-pew kind of thing, uh, are okay in the sense of this game, I suppose. If you wake up in the game, the dream is over. Not that that ever happens. I don't quite know what that statement even means in relation. I think if you, basically, if you, you die. Yeah, so you, as you collect the right, Yeah, so as you collect the right orbs, an image appears, and then you must have enough pods to use the hopper to jump into the next level. It's not immediately obvious that this is the case. It sort of isn't immediately obvious how anything works in this game. It has a weird feeling of something like V, and that ain't ever good. <laughs> ain't never no, good it's not. wandering left and right trying to get through doors mm. you spend a lot of the time in fact in this game running around um, in fact that's all you'll be doing really you'll also encounter doors and a stupid system of opening them that will see you collecting blobs on the floor and getting angry a lot because they will <laughs> yeah. just close and you're like oh why did that close then sometimes they open sometimes they don't doesn't really matter and they're not there for any real purpose other than to just slow you down I think because yeah. they don't serve yeah. a purpose in the game no they don't the game sees you under constant attack and gradually working through the same thing over and over and over again until you find yourself on the worm level. Then you have to shoot the worm, and that is not a euphemism. Um, it's a hard game to like this, really. On the one hand, it kind of looks pretty nice, and there's some okay graphics. It's not buggy as such, and there's some nice scrolling effects and production. That part, okay. But the logic of the game, well, which it, it isn't really that far from Whizball in a way, in the sense that you're collecting little colour blobs, and those colour blobs have a attributable value to things but it's all lost in this weird dream world (laughs) game design that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever i mean there's the goal i guess for this and there's a way to get to that goal but hoppers side globes worms dreams what what that are on planets it's not it's not clear what this is about and it's not clear what the links are between those things and the look of the game doesn't look anything like that at all no if anything you look like a you look like a space fighter on an alien spaceship which is i suspect what this game bloody well was at some point um yeah so there's loads of doors in this game all over the place doors and lifts and you know if you got them in the game let's make them open permanently don't just have opening and closing and arbitrary ways of picking things up to open them it's stupid and allow lift access in a way that makes sense um i don't know for me these if this is meant to be in dreams, they're not wholly dreamlike. I mean, why would anyone dream of an elaborate spaceship with corridors and elaborate door locks and lifts with complex codes? That That's not any dream. I mean, I, the last dream I can remember I had, I, I was, you know, I was trapped in a caravan and, and strange <laughs> things like that happen in dreams. I don't remember ever being on board a spaceship or anything like that anyway. It's 50% of a good game and that's all the, the stuff that's wrapped in the good bit. But none of that is the playable part of this game. Um, all of the graphics and assets of the game and all of those parts, you know, if, if you took them out and laid them out on the floor, you'd be like, oh, that was pretty good. Yeah, you could make a good game out of that. Somebody did, and they didn't make a good game out of it. They made <laughs> this piece of crap. 
Um, so it's just it's a nonsense game wrapped in a load of mysterious garbage. But it's a pity because I think with those assets, somebody could have actually made a good game out of it if they really thought about it. Maybe even an eight bit Halo. Um, but um, what did you think? Yeah. Uh, I am the fourth ass man. <laughs> Finally, someone recognizes my achievements. <laughs> so I've written. Something got to be. Everyone's got to be something. <laughs> Do they not read this stuff to themselves when they write it? Do they not? Do they, does someone not read it back? Ass man. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's the as man. No, it looks like something tells me, me that they were a, they were about nineteen packs of wheat crunches <laughs> in at this point during the munchies phase. <laughs> and on top of that, they made a game that reminded me of this. You know what this reminded me of? PSI Warrior Two. Yeah, yeah, basically. It's that sort of through pseudo three D running around shoot stuff nonsense. That we had the problematic with with there, and I've never wanted to be reminded of that again. Not ever. As you said, getting through those sort of floor lasers is stupid. Two blobs on the floor have to be triggered, and you always run off with the near one first. You have to go get the far one, and then it doesn't stay open long enough until you get near to it, and it only turns on just when you wear the near one comes back. Oh my god! Anger inducing. Yeah, terrible. And on top of that, it's dull. Dull and repetitive. You run and going along odd 3D environments. Yeah, you're right. They look okay. Scrolling is fine. They're just dull to navigate, though, aren't they? They're just dull. Title screen music is all right. It takes a turn for the atmospheric, I thought. And I, I did quite like it. That yeah, tune by good. Anthony Lee's. You know, some of it's all right. Aside from that, though, there's little here to hold the interest for very long. It's just boring. It's just really dull. How yeah. do you make this story about Asmen and Focus and Oculus and Worm Planets and stuff? Boring. Why do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. This ass, uh, this ass man was put to sleep by this dream warrior. That's all I can think of. Awful. Just boring. 49% it's got. No, no. Maybe for the visuals to put it. And I guess it's competently put together, but it's just it's just a mishmash of nothing. And like you said, it's V-type nonsense of yep. red things to get health back and green things to open doors and pods and stuff shooting and oh it's just uh yeah i mean it's a nice sort of sense of 3d and that you can run and run around the enemies and stuff and all that kind of mm. stuff and they're not terrible. but again it suffers from that constantly spawning enemies constantly yeah. spawning enemies and what were those other monsters that just appeared for every now and again just disappeared again part of the dream world i guess i don't know I, I, by that point i'd given up hope yeah yeah no i didn't like dream warrior didn't like it at all no let's move along To our next game in our two-word title series, <laughs> Street Fighter Dream Warrior. And now we have Dark Castle. Mm, that was ominous. Have we played another game called that? Oh, it's Dark Tower, wasn't it? Dark Tower, yeah. Dark Castle is probably is must be seriously one of the most generic names for a game I could think of. Really is. Anyway, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Well, it's a port of a 1986 Mac game. Who wanted that? <laughs> What is this? I don't think anyone. Nobody. Nobody wanted a port of a 1986 Mac game. This is before Mac's even got any games. Who wanted this? No one. Leave it on the Mac. Let them have the game and be happy. We don't need it. But this got ported to everything, didn't it? It got ported to loads of stuff. Oh, it's all over the place, like a rash. It won't go away. You need all the creams and the ointments aren't getting rid of that. No, they're not. Anyway, over here, this was released by Mirasoft in the UK, and it was ported by Sculptured Software with visuals by Mimi Doggett. Mimi Doggett. She's usually quite good. <laughs> I say usually. Some of the visuals aren't bad. Uh, uh, you play Prince Duncan. <sighs> Good old Duncan. Prince Duncan, and he has set out to slay the Black Knight, as they as this uh, as they have been causing all kinds of shenanigans in the local village, and the local villages are just too wimpy to put a stop to it themselves. So along comes Prince Duncan and says, "I'll sort this out." But to do this, Duncan must visit the Black Knight's castle, the Dark Castle. 
and traverse why is it not called black knight castle i don't know um and traverse the four areas of it <laughs> called fireball shield trouble and black knight nobody names the castle areas after that are <laughs> you in the shield area in the fireball zone <laughs> no trouble <laughs> nobody stay does out of trouble. this yeah stay out of trouble stay in the fireball uh there are 14 screens for this 14 a total of 14 screens for you to make your way through there are three in trouble four in fireball three in black knight and finally four in shield uh, that sentence right in that sentence actually physically hurt me it just all the words are wrong loading. I've no idea who decided to name them that way or thought that this structure is a good idea. Mac owners, eh? Um, anyway, this game is multi-load. <laughs> three sides of a disc for this. Three. Three it's sides of a disc that. for 14 screens. I think there's about 14 title screens, so that's probably why. Seem to go through mm. title screen after title screen, three discs. Those screens must be Acer. I can't wait to get to them. Anyway, when the game loads after a very long and slow loader, get used to that and random disc swapping. Just disc swap after disc swap. Yeah. And how many title screens do we need? How many variants of the castle do we need to see? Too many. Too many. You get to choose from beginner, intermediate, or advanced. Uh, You can play it. You can quit it. You can watch a demo, or you can get some info on the monsters and backstory. Every choice is more loading. Just loading. So much loading. All the loading. Um, I tried to get some info and the screens crashed on me, so I had to reload it. That didn't help. Um, <laughs> the sound on the title screen also crashed. So I'd read somewhere there was loads of sort of sample sounds, but it just crashed. This just left a high-pitched whine. That didn't help. So once I got back in, good. I chose to play it. After more loading and disc swapping, I was greeted with the level select screen. So I haven't got to game. I haven't got to a game yet. <laughs> it's just a level select screen. Yeah, where my character is stood before four doors. It's doing that thing. You know where you walk past people. You see people in sort of American films where someone's trying to be cool and they walk past doing that two finger thing, going "Hey, hey, hey," sort yeah, of pointing yeah, yeah. them. He's doing that, but there's no one there, so I don't know who he's doing it to. I don't know what's going on. Who's he saying hey to? Um, you know, going, hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? But it's like, what? To who are you doing this to? Ah, oh, stupid. And you select the which way to go by pressing one, two, three, or four. Why Why can't I use the joystick? Why? What? There's a joystick. No, you just move, ask. select it. Up, down, left, right, fourth, four direction. Any, anyway, select one of them and your adventure wanders off to the door and into the level. Runs off in a nice sort of 3D sprite way, I guess. Okay. Yeah, all right. Then it's more loading, more disc swapping, uh, and I was rapidly losing patience by this point. All this loading must be leading to screens of hitherto unseen amazing adventures. That's all I could think of. It kept me going. No, they're not. When you finally get to a game level, you're greeted by a pretty horrible, almost monochromatic level. I tried foot one, I think. Your character is tiny. The level is ugly. Bats and rubbish sprites wander about, and you have four lives to try and make your way through. You can wander about, jump, throw some of your rocks, and F7 picks up any of the randomly placed items that might appear. Contact with any creature loses one of your lives, and you have four of them. That's about it. So much loading. So much loading for this. The controls are awkward and unintuitive. In the Mac version, you aim with the mouse. So you use keyboard mm. to move about and jump sort of thing, and you move, you aim with the mouse, you kind of got a free aim. It's one of those. Here, obviously, we don't have a mouse. So what we've got to do, if you're standing still, and only if you're standing still, you can hold down the fire button and then use up and down to move your arm sort of in an arc. You've got sort of five points of down, diagonal, forward, up, up, you know, diagonal up or up. Um, And you can lob rocks in that direction. But to throw a rock, 
you have to then press in the direction you're facing and press fire. It all feels so you got let go and then press, it's all very unintuitive. I did not like it. It just felt awkward. Um, some monsters will be killed by by you throwing the rocks at them, and some will be just knocked out and then they'll stand up. And the one at the bottom is bottom of trouble, which is always there. There's just some bloke walking around the bottom. I kept knocking him out, and then he kept standing back up and shooting me because he had a gun. Why has he got a gun in the dark castle? What is this? I think he had a gun or whatever he had. It's stupid. Something like that. It all feels really unwieldy. you just got to stop. And the problem was, time and time again, I thought I'd stop. I'd let go of the joystick, but the animation for the running would still be going. So I'd press fire because I'd let go. So I'd let go, press fire, he would jump. And I would just jump off the edge of the platform or into a monster or whatever. And I was like, no, I pressed fire because I want to start shooting. And I don't like this uh, control system. It's just ugly and horrible. Why can't I just run, use up for jump and press fire to throw rocks? No, just like sort of Antiriad did. It's the same control. It's the same abilities. And pull down when I'm on an object to pick it up. Why? Well, that works. Not here, though. No. I guess, um, so yeah, going up and down stairs requires use of the diagonals at all times. So you can't sort of, you hook down it, so you start going down it by pulling bottom left, then you have to keep bottom left. You can't just go left, it has to be bottom left. And if you want to go up, up back up them, it's top right. It just feels awkward. I just want to use left and right once I'm going in that direction. You should know. This has been done again. I think even, you know, Jet Set Willy did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, now, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just stupid. The animation on the main character, I guess, is okay. There's a lot of frames animation. The Mimi Dog is only nice up there, but the rest of it, I, I thought it looked really ugly. It just looks bitty. And why do I have a white outline around my, my sprite? I don't get it. But just, ugh. I've not seen that before. I don't like it. The UI at the, UI at the bottom, it shows your rocks. <laughs> sounds odd. It's just the number of rocks you have, number of lives, and your potion. But again, it looks ugly. It looks like it's been ported from the Mac. Um, just that it has this look of a Mac game. It just—it's just not pleasant. It's an ugly, awkward game to play. There's so much loading and waiting around for such little reward that I was really quickly just jabbing the off switch and walking away from this one. I walked away. Just walked away. Couldn't handle That's it. A good idea. Um, I did well, not care for this in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, he was—he was. He was uh, just, just give, just give me the loading. All we want is the loading. <laughs> no, this should have just been left on the Mac. Just leave them with it. Leave them with the game. They're, you know, they're all right. We don't need it. We've got plenty of games. We certainly didn't need this one. Rubbish. It's got forty-one percent. Nope, don't deserve that. What did you think? Ooh, why did anyone <laughs> want to do this one anyway? I remember this one on the C sixty-five and the Amiga. Strange enough. Oh, really? Yeah, not in okay. good ways at all. That sample of the pipe organ when it comes on at the beginning. It's horrible. No sample should be that that shrill and offensive. It's like... Nah, 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 nah. I was like, oh, God <laughs> sake. God, it's... Honestly, I thought my fillings in my teeth fall out. It was horrible. <laughs> it's like a blast to your face. And then there was the lightning and thunder. <laughs> so it sounded like an old man coughing up phlegm at night. Not nice, that. Nope. Um, so, no. No, 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 no. This had the look and feel and general demeanour of a downport or a deport, or let's just call it what it is, a crap version of something. And yep. it probably wasn't great to begin with, without a doubt. Nope. I mean, uh, you start in the Great Hall, don't you? Choose your trouble and all that. <laughs> Choose the level. <laughs> just everything about this shouted, I need a bigger disc capacity and more memory. Everything shouted that, especially the loading times. Just horrible. I mean... Yeah, I don't understand uh, why uh, this could fit in 64k. Oh, Some of the completely. games we've seen. Just, I don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't want it. It was just a stupidly badly optimized piece of garbage that had been just you know bodge ported. I think in some weird way that I can't explain. 
Um, I thought the graphics in the background, they just they, uh, there was some nice little detail in some of the pixel artwork and the way they kind of presented. They looked like what they were, but they were very drab. And the main sprite was just this bleached out thing, wasn't it? And I'm like, this is, <laughs> I don't quite get where where the where it all came from. Um, I could sort of see how it might work on a, on an early Mac or something, but no, this is just rubbish. Um, so no, 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 no. I just I got fed up with it very quickly. Um, I mean, some of the physics on some of the little ropes and things like that. There was little things that sort of you could see the you could see the germ of something kind of working, but not in multiple loads and all that garbage that goes with it. No, 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 thanks. Just one load would have been fine. It doesn't need splitting into all these different sections and you know loading all these little component parts in. And that multi-load is so slow and so bad. It's not a strength of the C sixty four unless you're going to spend the time to put in some kind of speed loader in there and optimize mm. the code and all the, the graphics so that they're if you're going to have multiple loads, you need to be you know. There's so many games out there that do that. Well, Epic's games have always had really fast loaders like Vorpal and stuff. It doesn't need to be this kind of dreary nonsense. So no. occasionally some hints of some sort of decent sprite pixel painting here and there. If, if someone had said, paint me a dungeon, you might have looked like that. But everything else, dull, drab. And it's an Amiga game plus and all of the rest of them anyway, really. It doesn't belong on the C64 and it clearly showed. I hated it. And I don't ever want to hear that pipe organ sample again because it, it, it sent me on edge. It put me on edge. I didn't like it. don't like <laughs> yeah. that. No, no. Not, what a nonsense. Rubbish. Up to rubbish. Up to rubbish indeed. Yeah, that's Dark Castle. This is not a good half. <laughs> no. No, no, really no, it's not. not. We've got one game left. Let's see if things pick up. Graham, it's time to break out the old luge. Strap on the old skin tight outfits and tell us all about the game's winter edition. So this is um, from Epic's um, 995, 76%. So an unusually low score for the Epic games of this type. So what's all that about? Mm. This is coded by Al Rubin, Carl May, Chuck Somerville, Edward Chu, Edwin Wright, Ed- Eric Knopp, Kevin Fuzzy Furry, Kevin Norman and Scott Nelson, and graphics Jenny Martin, Matthew Sarconi, Muffy McCosh, Paul Vernon, Sherry Knowles, Cyril Knowles, Steve Snyder, Susie Green, musician Chris Gregg and Chris Ebert. So a lot of the people basically that did California games, um, principally that did a California games and stuff like that. Mm. So this is an epics returning, isn't it? To the, you know, well, the California games team returning, epics team returning with an all new winter games variant. And in that classic games tradition, you have the option screen at the start, the, the sort of option screen. So, And it's the usual, for them, the usual thing. From this point, it sort of looks, the beginning sort of looked like a classic epics game. Yeah, yeah. So you've got competing all the events, competing some, competing one, practice one, number of joysticks, which is interesting. Um, see world records, opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies. So we've actually got a more complete set of stuff in there. All right. Fair enough. They're what we call the classic epics options. As you would expect, the opening and closing ceremonies are pretty good in the graphical way they are of these kind of things. The wider options set uh, parameters for the play. So all good so far. Um, enter one of the game options and you'll be on the player selection screen where you can choose your country, name and number of players, of which there can be eight. Um, and once you've made your selection, the events available become the events become available. And depending on how you've chosen to play them out will depend on how you choose to play them. Um, there's been a slight up, up the ante on the um, country anthems, I noticed. They were a little bit better than the old Discord and Epic ones. I quite like those old ones now, but uh, mm-hmm. in their own way. So the events for this um, this game, you've got the luge, the cross country, figure skating, ski jump, slalom, speed skating, and downhill. So a heavy skiing component in this particular one but there's a good reason for that um 
the events are different compared to Winter Games and the original Winter Games in both look, feel and controls. Um, so they are graphically neat with some lovely details, as you might expect. There's some really great use of animations, scene settings and colours. The controls, well, they're not as intuitive as the other games, and that is a problem, but I'll come back to that. Um, now, without having to go into an in-depth description of every single one of these, because I'm not going to do that, Alluge is Alluge, is Alluge, and you can go look it up in the instructions for this, but Alluge is kind of like a toboggan race, essentially. The cross-country is kind of a similar to the cross-country, um, what was it called in the original Bi- it's games? The it's the biathlon. It's the biathlon, but it's not got the shooting in this one or anything no. like that. It's just cross-country, so it's just walking on skis. Figure skating is figure skating. Remember, we had two types in the Winter Games. This has only got the one. There's ski jump back in this one, slalom, which wasn't in the Winter Games originally, was it? There was a World Games that had slalom in it, mm, but Winter yeah, yeah. Games didn't have it in, but it's in this one. Yeah, we said it was speed weird at the time that there was missing a skiing event, did we, back for Winter Games? Yeah, we did, yeah. And then you've got speed skating, which is in this one. That's in both, isn't it? Or is that in? Yeah, that's in both. And then you've got downhill, which again isn't in Winter Games in this way, in this way. And so each of those is basically, obviously, it's a Winter Games event. Um, and it's told in that kind of, this kind of sort of new ante on things with this. So I'll, I'll sort of explain what I mean by that. So obviously you take part in each one of these events, you're taking in turns, and obviously it's a game where you're trying to get the best record scores and the best times and things and all that. That's all calculated for you. And then the person that does the best, there's a little medal ceremony after each of the events and bronze, silver, gold, and all that kind of thing. So that's that's, that's this. It's one of those sort of Olympic type games that where you play it with, you know, get your few mates around and have a go at this and play through the whole series of events. All good so far. Mm-hmm. Now, um, for the luge, you can choose from four different luge courses, which is an interesting development because generally speaking, this is the way they've added layers of difficulty into this. Now, there's an important distinction between the way difficulty is managed in the other types of winter epics, or let's call them the earlier epics games, and the way that it's set up in this and the sort of California games onwards. So in this the difficulty is something that you can first off choose. So you can choose sort of how, in the luge, I think they're, they're basically four different lengths, of course, I think. So it's one kilometer, two kilometers, and five. I can't remember. No, it's just four different luge courses, different lengths, I think, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're different, and they've got difficulty because obviously the bends in the luge are what you've got to try and, you've got to try and time your joystick moves. So when you go around the bends, a bit like you did in the bobsleigh, um, that you don't go flying out the thing. And now, bear in mind, when I did this, by the way, I didn't touch the joystick and it just completed it in record time. So I didn't quite know what magic. That was really weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so that's how you play the luge and you've got to sort of make it to the end of the track in the fastest time. Okay. Um, graphics on that section oh, are pretty good, actually, the way it goes, but it's disconcerting the way it presents itself on the screen because suddenly you're going left, then right, then right, then left. Doesn't It feels really disjointed. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, and in old-fashioned filmmaking language, it breaks the line. So It sort really of, does, yeah. So it sort of throws you off a bit. I'll come back again. I'll come back to the, some of those issues. Um, for the cross country, you've got that kind of classic epics waggle, you know, the sort of slow, methodical waggle, I guess, for your joystick, mm-hmm. um, which it, it, depending on which track you choose, you could be doing that for a while because there's one kilometer, two kilometer and five kilometer courses there. So it's just, the, again, you're choosing your challenge by process of how long you can put up with that for. And there's somebody waggling against you and the graphics are quite nice on that view. It's, they're a bit closer in. Um, the graphics, again, some of the graphics are quite nice. It's lost some of its humour in this, mm. but and it's, it seems to be a lot more technical, um, but that doesn't necessarily pay off. In something like that, it's, it's, there's less to do, so it just feels a bit bit grindy, that one. The figure skating is one where they've really made, I think, the most differences. Um, you choose your music style, you pick from a series of moves. Those moves are kind of demoed, so you set up your sort of routine. And then you have to then perform that routine. Um, it's really good graphics in that section. It's really cleverly. It looks really good the way the spotlights on the characters. Genuinely looks amazing. It looks really good. It's just incredibly hard. 
I just <laughs> kept falling over all the time. No matter what I did, I fell over on the knees, on the knees, on the knees. On the, I don't know why. I could not. No matter what, how I followed the instructions for that, I could not make those moves do what I wanted them to do. And that's a bit of a theme. So, okay, we'll go from that one. The ski jump adopts a more first person style, which is a really nice idea for that. So when you start, you start to get a nice view of the top of the, the ski slope, sorry, the ski slope, the ski jump tower. And then you sort of start hurtling down and then it goes to like a first person view and you're hurtling down and you've got to press the fire button at the right time. But it is hit and miss whether you're going to do that. I cannot, it says that you you get an indication as you're going down the track. I could not find what that indication was. It was just literally random luck, whether you took off or not. And if you did, I don't think there's anything you can do to land that with apart from blind luck, because mm-hmm. I could not get that ski jumper to land other than crash. I just couldn't. It just wouldn't do it, no matter what. And I was fo- trying to follow the instructions and following it to the letter. It just, it made no sense. It didn't. Um, so it, again, it works nicely. Hard to control, hard to make it do what you want. For the slalom, you choose your four different courses and then you head down and you have to obviously go between the flags. Only it's really hard to control. So it's just, you suddenly find yourself careering out of control as a snowball and tumbling down the slope. It's really, really stupid. Mm-hmm. So you don't have much fun with that. Speed skating, again, you choose your course. Oh, and you God, get this really strange skating. view where the course is represented around a central window that shows the animated players skating forwards towards you. And then around the, around them is like the, the, the track and you're represented on that as a dot that's going around it. So the dot goes round and round as you kind of do the, you know, the controls for the, the, the ski, which is obviously waggling. I don't know. It, it takes the pressure off from facing and focuses on the technique. Is that the plan for that? Because you're in a race. So the exhilaration of the race comes from skating. And I think it would have been better left as it was. It doesn't work in that weird way. That view is really strange from the front skating towards you. Yeah. And I couldn't get get it to work properly. I couldn't make it do what I wanted to do. Anyway, with the downhill, this is where, for me, I don't know what we're trying to do here. You place four cameras at points on the course. And then it goes to that FPS view, similar to the ski jump. And you're scooting downhill. You've obviously got that. And it's pretty good in the way that it does it. It's kind of fast and it's, you know, it, it feels like it's, but then all of a sudden it just jumps to a camera view and it's really disconcerting. It's like, hang on. And then it throws you completely out. And then after that, you just, you know, you're not going to last much, very long. It's really, really, really weird. It just, I don't know the camera views that show you flying down the track. I don't get what the point of it is. Nope. It, it just doesn't feel like there's any point to that. And it's the same view for every, even the non-computer players, uh, non, sorry, the CPU players have the same cameras. It's just really, I don't get it. Why would you need to do that? And what, I don't get it. I don't get why that's, it's not part of an Olympic event, is it? The, they don't go to all the slalom skiers, right? Just where do you want your cameras? This doesn't happen. Nope. And so it just felt at this point, I started to realize that these are uh, options for the sake of having options, which is not the Epic's credo, as far as I was aware. No. Um, so this has all the looks and options of a Epic's game. But as we discovered with California games, they seem to miss the key part of what made those original games what they were and i think for me it's accessibility that instant in that pick up and play you got the gist and it wasn't hard to control and it was quite simplified in that way and it felt like you was part of an event you was doing the thing very quickly you're in you're on you you can figure out the complexity of what you're doing very fast you 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 know you're going around the track in a bobsleigh super quick takes you two minutes to figure it out the view is consistent i know what i'm doing i'm going to try and beat my time simple it wasn't pick a track then Press the button to do the, the go backwards and forwards in the right way. Then go to the right, and then go up a lift, and then go suddenly you're facing left, and you're going up, and then suddenly you're right, and it it didn't make any sense. And that's replete in every single event in this. There's this complexity that they've wrapped in there that it's completely unnecessary to have. It didn't have that problem in the original ones, which made them able to get into and just get on with and have fun with. If you're 
focusing on trying to figure out how to control it all, you're missing the point of what made those games great. And that's what they've really focused on with this. They've shifted the focus from the fun of those events to the nuances of the controls around them, which is not fun. That's, that was never the fun part of Winter Games, ever. Nope. The fun part was it was enjoying the, some of the silly animations and just participating in those sports. They were fast, accessible. Even the loading here isn't very quick compared to the standard Epic stuff. It's just not, it's, it's not, it's not right. So the controls are not ungainly in the original Epic's games. They are in here. The controls are not over complex and over option led in the original ones. They are here. They responded to how you needed to respond in the original ones. They don't do that here. In fact, half the time they don't respond. So this, this, that disconnect is really what, what drives this game to be nowhere near as good as any of the other winter games and Epic's games. And certainly, not in the same realm as the summer games or anything like that, or world games. Um, it's an attempt to add a more skilled basis to this, I guess, I think. But they've done it all wrong. They've got the core idea of what made these games great wrong. And because of that, this game really suffers. And now we saw the early elements of that in California games. And then in um, the, what was the one that came after that? California games. And there was... No, was the other world, one that world was, games and then California games. World games, California games. Yeah, world games the at the one. beginning. Yeah, yeah world games like the, the log rolling and stuff like that, which were... Yeah. And then so World Games had the games hints. Was... California Games came along with, uh, you know, and then we had things like the Frisbee, and this is where they're starting to sort of show the signs of what? And then you've got this one, and there's even more of these to follow, where they've just missed the point. These games look amazing, but this isn't fun to play, and that, for this kind of Epics game, is a tragedy. So all of those elements I've mentioned come at a cost, don't they? The cost, I'm afraid, is the fun. Mm. This game ain't no fun. Tragedy. What a tragedy. I didn't like it. And that's the first time I've ever had to say that about an Epic game like this. And that really hurts. What about mm. you? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Oh, yeah. There's, there's some pedigree here. I mean, you've checked back on some of the coders. They, they go all the way back. Some one of them goes back to Summer Games. Some of them are Summer Games too. So there is some, you know, I thought, okay, maybe because I think there's barely any of those in California games, maybe some in World, but I don't think there's any that went back to Summer Games. So I thought maybe some of the old, the old magic might still be there to, uh, you know, the old magic still there. No, it's not. No, I don't know why the flags were sideways on the character input screen. <laughs> they're, 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 they're upwards. They're sort of tall. It should be across. Um, I don't know why it does that. That's pretty weird. It seems odd. It made me laugh that the guy, um, <laughs> you really feel for that guy going up the stairs to light the flame in the opening ceremonies. He's like, oh, there's loads yeah, of so true. many stairs. It's a lot, it's a lot of steps. <laughs> it just takes forever. And, and, and they got, I mean, think about it in the first ones. They just delayed that by, you know, Impossible Mission Guy just bouncing up them, just running up them and just doing it. It's really go over quick. But it's like, yeah, they understand. In, done, out. Some dubs appear. Okay, yeah, let's go to the events. Luge, I didn't feel in control. I don't know. I just, it, it's flick, yep. flick screen, flick screen luge. Who thought that was a good, what? Why is it not squalling? Why is this no. not like bobsleigh from Winter Games, which works, you know, and as it's really sort of kinetic and fast and thrilling, even though it lasts about 23 seconds, but it's a, it's a you know, it's an action-packed 23 seconds. Cross-country, I did one kilometre in 16 seconds. That's some going. I don't think it's possible to do that. No. <laughs> That's fa faster than Usain Bolt. That's some losing. <laughs> no, that was cross-country. <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> It's so short. You've done a you've done a kilometer. Well done. What? All right. Uh, figure skating. I didn't understand it. I didn't. I just didn't. I think. I think trying to remember routine and the and the timing is just too much to do. Just let me free. Just let me do a skate. Um, ski jump. No, nope, I couldn't take off. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I couldn't. No. No matter where I pressed shame. that fire button, just went tumbling off. I slalom. I fell over and turned into a snowball. Speed skating. Stop punishing me. 
I think I did at the most I did seven seven steps before I fell over. And I had the rhythm. So I was left, right with the legs, but then fell over. Left, right, fell over. I don't know if I was doing something yep. wrong. I don't know. Downhill, as you said, really confusing. Why does it keep switching to these camera views of me just flying over and doing stuff? And like, what am I doing? It's a downhill. Oh, it has all the hallmarks of everything we didn't like about California games ramped up. All the elements that we, you know, highlighted there that we, we thought they'll, they've lost. They've lost the sort of coherency they've lost the, the the insight to what made them that has just been focused on and they've thought that's what that's what we need to do and they've just missed it missed the point completely just give me winter games any day of the week winter games is so far ahead of this in every every way um it's more playable you know yep. we had a criticism of that at the time with something like that but in comparison to this it's so much better and yeah, like you said, there's far too much disc swapping in this as well. It's all over oh, the place. Horrible. Plus insert B. This what is it? Six discs? It's like Jesus yeah, Christ. Three, it's three discs. Six three sides. Discs, six it? sides. Insert side four. Insert side two. Why is this not structured better? If you're going to play through all in a certain order, fair enough. If I pick the order, but if you're going to give them to me in an order, then that order should be one, two, three, four, and minimum. You know, put them all in. It's just no. Um, yeah, massive, massive disappointment. I think seventy six percent is is generous, way too generous. Um, there's some nice graphics, there's some nice character touches, there's some nice bits and bobs, um, and you know some stuff. But in on the whole, none of the events felt like I, I was in control. Uh, I could get a hang of them. Tried them all a few times, but I just couldn't couldn't get through them. And then the loading just put me off going back to it. It just was unpleasant. I didn't like this at all. I remember not particularly liking this, and I think I liked the game Summer Edition even less. I think back then, these are one of the few I did try because obviously I was a huge Summer Games fan, Summer Games 2, Winter Games, World Games, massive fan. I thought, oh, great, more of this, but no. Um, disappointing, hugely disappointing. Uh, I, know, I don't know what else to say, really. Just, just not good. Not a good game. Shame. What a disappointment. Tragic. What a tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Tragedy. And there we go. This has been a proper downer of an episode. <laughs> this feels like... That's a bit. It's like, oh, you know, what's, what's good? Um, all right, so what have we looked like? What have we looked at today? Uh, we started off with it shouldn't have been a gold medal, but probably a Sizzler Hawkeye. We looked at the problematic Vixen with, it, you know, added sexism thrown in for good measure. We looked at the even more problematic Super Trolley. Yeah, don't ever talk about that. No, uh, we looked at the, the highlight, I think, probably the yeah. highlight for me, Poltergeist. yeah. One of the best in the list. Crazy that, but yeah, it is. It's probably not the well, best. That and, that and Hawkeye, yeah. That and Hawkeye, yeah. I'll give Haw- yeah, Hawkeye's yeah, Hawkeye is good fun, but yeah, Poltergeist. Even, yeah, two two pounds. Two by scrolling shooters, you know. Yep. Doing well. Good stuff. Then we looked at to hell and back. We wish it just go to hell. Yeah. Street Fighter. I didn't mind the US version. I didn't mind it. But it's not oh. brilliant, but I didn't mind it. The UK version is just awful. Dream Warrior. <laughs> and yeah. then Ass Men. <laughs> Ass men. <laughs> the ass men get stuck on a worm planet. <laughs> and I'm the fourth ass man. <laughs> you me, bet you are. Give me some of that. And now yeah, I get yeah, it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Then we get the unwanted Mac port of Dark Castle mm. uh, with far too much loading. That this The last two games in this felt, I, I'm pretty sure I just it's spent... overload. Yeah. Even on an emulator with like, you know, what's warp mode engaged? Yeah. Still crazy. So much loading. Um, and then finally, uh, the game's winter edition, which was a massive disappointment. Mm. Well, well, well. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what to say after all that lot. Yeah, go and try Poltergeist and obviously Hawkeye and just enjoy them. Yeah. The rest, don't. 
<laughs> no. Just leave them be. No, don't. Yeah, we've got... Um, Obviously, next week we've got our last lot of games from August. What have we got coming up? We've got Dark Side, okay. Slow 3D. Prepare yourself for Slow yes. 3D. Uh, um, slow 3D ahead. Metropolis, wherever that is. Chubby Gristle, mm. which sounds unpleasant. Um, it probably is. Marauder, who knows? Shoot, is that a shoot up in it, Marauder? Probably. Sounds like it should be. Oops. What's oops? That sounds familiar. Why do I know oops? Oops. I don't know. I think it's because it reminds me of Oh No. It's one of the, it's kind mm. of a Aquanaut. It's got an exclamation mark. Yeah, exactly. Aquanaut. Aquanaut. Is it Aquanaut? Aquanaut. It's Aquanaut, yeah. It's Aquanaut, yeah. Uh, Crazy Paving. That doesn't sound good. (laughs) Don't make a game out of crockery. Don't make a game out of crisps. Don't make a game out of pavement. (laughs) No. (laughs) The the Three Commandments. Shackled. Mm. Finally, we're going to round it off with Bruce Lee. Okay. So at least we know that's all right. That's going to be okay. Yeah, Yeah. at least we know. That's where I put it at the end. At least least we know... (laughs) Bruce Lee's all right. Yeah, at least we know Bruce Lee's all right. Um, and that'll be all right. Uh, and that's it then. That's it for August. Oof. And then we're, what's that, 98. And we've got two more episodes and then we're episode 100. That's it. Uh-huh. Who knew? That was a tough episode. That was a tough lot of games to get through. I was depressed really playing that you one. Well was. I don't yeah, know what to say. Same. I don't know. Have you got anything else you want to add? <laughs> no, I'm still I'm still grieving about uh, winter game winter games winter edition or whatever it is. I'm, I'm grieving. Yeah. Um, just I want really I, I I really wanted it to be better, and I'm just I was just it's like just being let down by something that you really know has been a, such a great thing. It's like oh. <laughs> I know. I was grieving over having to play a 1986 Mac game. Yeah, that's so bad. That Dark Castle. It's, I never want to think about that sample again. <laughs> <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> and I never want to think it's about the horrible. back either. Well, that's that version of it I just did is actually more is is uh, that their sample sounds worse than I've just done, and that's, oh, that's saying something. Jesus, bad. It's bad. I'm quite glad then that bad. mine just crashed and just gave me a whine. I was just going. Eee. Yeah, I'll find a way of working it into the podcast. I'll see if I can find it to see so everyone can experience the horror of that. I think they should. I'm sure you can grab a sample of that and put it in. Oh, I can get that. I can get that from somewhere. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think I think we call it a day. I think that's it. I can't I can't take any more of this nonsense. It's just rubbish. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, as I said, we've got those nine more games. We'll be playing through them. We'll also be looking at TV and video, uh, TV and film. Sorry, what was going on? I don't even know what there was. Was it any good? Rambo three, Beetlejuice. What films we got? Films. Rambo Presidio. School days. Yeah, Rambo. Do you reckon that's based on the game? <laughs> no. <laughs> probably, probably not. Probably not. Uh, okay, so we've got them to look forward to. Uh, yeah, so um, we'll be back uh, next week. I've got to sign off because I'm just, I feel drained. I really do. This was a tough week. <laughs> so, as ever, I have been Adrian Mills. And I've been Graham Ruddings. Um, and you have been listening to the fourth Ass Men. Um, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games, as well as the music, films and TV from around the 1980s, driven, of course, by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at that time. We will return with a whole new batch of games and stuff to talk about next week. Until then, if you want to listen to or download previous episodes of Zap to the Past, and why wouldn't you, they can all be found on our website at zaptothepast.com, as well as being available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Audible, Player FM, and, well, pretty much anywhere where we can upload them. By the way, we do always love to hear from our amazing listeners, so if you'd like to contact us about anything in the podcast or beyond, you can do so by emailing us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. 
We're also active on Twitter under at ZapToTheer, as well as Facebook, Instagram, and most social media platforms. Just search for Zap to the Past and you'll find us. Oh, and if you like the podcast and what we're doing, please do like, share, review, rate us. It really helps. Something, apparently. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Ruddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers, and while we indeed love Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe, see you next time, and remember, we play these games so you don't have to.